Yo. Yo. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. Um, this episode is something that everyone, I think, has been looking forward to. And I don't just mean us on the podcast. I mean, our listeners, our casual fans, our patrons, everyone's been asking about this episode. And we even, man, we tried to get the four letter, the, the, you know, the acronym, we tried to get ZDLR real hard. We put the feelers out there, sent some emails, hit up some celebrities, some confidants, and it just, man, just didn't come back. So Jason, what do we have on this episode? This episode, we have one of the best selling releases, if not the best selling release on Revelation Records, the Inside Out 7-inch No Spiritual Surrender. I think it's the best selling 7-inch, but not the best selling yeah, thank you. record overall. And and, yeah. and for a time it was it was it was the best selling, yeah. you know, in the in the real like when Rage, I mean granted Rage Against the Machine has consistently been huge since like nineteen ninety-four or whenever the they really popped because like we talk about in the interview in the beginning they they had a, a sort of slow trajectory mm-hmm. i mean they got signed to a major right away but What's, they weren't immediately popular what year did that first record come out 92 92 yeah Moving i remember 92 still in a room without a view mm. i guess one of, we'll, best, one of the best records ever we'll talk let's talk about uh that that album after the interview but first i, I think yeah. it's time to all right, so I want to give a bit of bow to this episode's sponsor, one of our favorites, Andrew Klein and War Records. Um, Javier, after the last time we talked about how much Javier loves strife, and he posted uh, a really funny picture. Um, I shouldn't even say funny. Yeah, it was not a, funny. It was, no. I meant fun. A fun. Yeah, fun. That's fun. Of, yeah. of him in the crowd watching strife, and it, it legitimately made me miss, like seeing shows mm-hmm. yeah uh, big time like because it was just it, it really captured that vibe but speaking of strife war records uh one of the things i was i was looking through the catalog they did ha, do you have this javier the live at the troubadour it's a dvd you can get i it don't as, i don't have it lp dvd mm-hmm. so this was actually recorded at the legendary troubadour in los angeles which yeah i think that that is the best live sound on the west coast that i've ever experienced the last gig i saw there was jeremy enoch playing return of the frog queen in its entirety and it was so good nice yeah it was really it was a really good next uh episode sponsor sub pop Mm. (laughs) (laughs) sub pop enter code where it went at sub pop check out for zero (laughs) discount um so it was recorded back in 2005 and uh, recorded the 24-track audio, um, five-camera DVD shoot, original lineup, uh, playing like all the hits. Um, so that's. Fr- I don't. I don't know if I attended. Get, I don't get our hands on that, huh? Yeah, I don't know if I attended that gig or not. Two thousand four. I was going to ask if you went to it. Two thousand five. I was like. Got a real little one. I was a little. Yeah. I have a little bit of a bloop on uh, uh, going to hardcore shows. I wasn't super excited on local hardcore and I did, I had like a two year old in, in 2004. So yeah, it was, 
I was just busy doing other stuff, I think. So, and also, I'm going to say this, unfortunately, In This Defiance isn't my favorite Strife record. I'm a one truth, huge one truther. And uh, even the stuff, I love the seven inches before that, man. I I love In This Defiance. Yeah, and I don't know what it was. It was, I think it was a time and place thing. Like, you know, when, when In This Defiance came out, as I've as I said on the shelter bonus episode that you can uh, hear if you're a patron, um, I just kind of was like into other stuff at that time. Like I don't Fair. know, I was I was too vegan for everything, I guess. So <laughs> back to War Records, um, <laughs> they also have a bunch of new stuff coming out um, in 2021. Uh, Fixation from Philly. They oh my new- god the that the fixation seven inch and flexi yo those are fucking good hardcore records they have I, a new singer now yes they got a new singer uh, i think and, he's, uh, i think he's on the flexi if i'm not mistaken i can't i can't confirm that but that is my that's my shit that's my favorite style of hardcore right there like short songs kind of fast punk, punk kind of caveman-y at times you know like I, I really like Fixation and those war records uh, that they're really good. I'm just going to say. And also a new record by uh, Bent Blue, mm-hmm. which features your friend and mine, uh, Diego uh, from County Played in Counter Blast. Yes. Alaram. Yeah. Bent um, Blue is really good. That demo is great. Um, it's good melodic hardcore. It sounds like it came from Orange County, if you ask me. It sounds like Orange County or like late '90s New Jersey, and um, agreed. Yeah, I can't wait till shows happen again so I can hang out with them and and watch them. I actually was uh, jealous. I I wanted. I've been wanting to start a band with Diego for a long time, and when he told me that he was in this new band and it was melodic hardcore, I was like, "Damn! Like you didn't ask me to be in this band with you." So. Anyway, but yeah, I'm excited. They have a tape right now on on uh, War, and they'll have a new record. Uh, so yeah, check out War Rec Rec dot com, and use the code Where It Went, all caps, for ten percent off. Cool, cool. Uh, should we just dive right into the episode? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. And uh, you know, if you want to hear us talk about our feelings and stuff like that. <laughs> Stay tuned for after the interview, right? Kick it. Kick it. Stoley Wilson on bass. He wrote this. I'm going to kick it, yeah. So we are here today. This episode, as you know, we try to keep things eternal, with three members of Inside Out, and we're joined kind of by Jordan Cooper. He's floating around in the office there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we're here today to talk about the Inside Out 7-inch, um, writing the 7-inch, putting the 7-inch out, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So we're joined today by... Sterling Wilson, who played the bass, Vic DeCara, who played guitar, and Al Al Payne, uh, who mm-hmm. played drums 
in the band and he played in, you know, a few other bands that we have talked about and are going to talk about here on Revelation. So welcome everybody to the Where It Went podcast. Um, Greg, why don't you kick it off with the questions? Sure. So thanks guys again for taking time out and speaking with us today. So I guess the first thing I know it's been touched on before is that Inside Out originally started, none of you guys were in it. It was Zach and, or were you in it from the beginning, Sterling? Okay, so was that 88? And then, because I, I think the story I heard was that Alex, you saw the band and you basically had this like, I don't want to say like a talent scout, but like you were like, yeah, this front man's onto something. Well, you know what, being in hard stance, um, I'll just make it quick that, um, you know, I was in hard stance and because obviously my other bands were doing really well, really quickly, it was easy to sort of be in hard stance, but not really be sort of super, um, you know, like committed to it. But what, what, what I did see is Inside Out with uh, Mark Hayworth, Vadim from Half Off on drums and Sterling play like about five songs um, that we did at an, a free outdoor show with Chain of Strength, No For An Answer, and Amenity. And uh, Inside Out opened, and for some reason, it didn't really make a big impression on everybody else, but um, it, did ma- it did make a big impression on me. And it took, uh, you know, a lot of, um, you know, Zach would obviously write all the hard stance stuff, and everybody else was kind of just going along with whatever he brought to the table for that. And, you know, there were, there were um, rehearsals where he would actually, you know, get on the mic to help um, Ernst, the singer of Heart Stance, sort of, you know, the, the phrasing of the, of the vocals. And, and, you know, of course I was like, wow, like not only did I already see Inside Out and was already kind of secretly plotting, like, I, I want to do that band. I don't really want to be in Heart Stance. I, I, I don't mean to dismiss Heart Stance, but I was like, you're writing all these songs. You're, you're showing the singer of this band how to sing your lyrics. Why don't we just do that band? And I'll play drums, and and I, and I know this guy named Vic Takara that's pretty fucking rad. So it was pretty. It was pretty much as simple as that. And he didn't do it right away because that meant like kind of breaking up his friendship and brotherhood with those guys, the Hayworth brothers, you know, especially. And um, so that was kind of like a hard thing for him, a hard like you know, I guess what do you call it? Like uh, bridge to cross was to sort of like be done with that and move on to inside out. And, um, but I think once he met Vic and we tried to do it with Sterling, I think he was easily forgetting heart stance. So Sterling, you were in the first lineup. So how did you, how did you meet Zach and and start the group? Zach and I were friends from Orange Coast college, a local college. And, um, he was a year ahead of me, but whatever, graduate high school and, you know, you don't want to go to university, so you go to a local community college. And he was there. There was a big crew of, you know, hardcore punk people that hung out there. And um, Hard Stance was playing. Uh, what was it? No, he, Zach and I, we used to hang out a lot. We were really good friends. We used to hang out a lot, a couple times a week. And he told me he wanted to start a band. So you know, with me, so it was okay. And then we got Vadim, cause I've known, I kind of, I've known Vadim for a long time. And it wasn't, Alex, it wasn't Mark Hayworth, it was Rob Hayworth, Rob played. Right, right, right. And um, so we got together and we played that one show. And then 
I, th- I know Vadim and, and Zach had a falling out, and I don't know what you know, stuff was going on with Hard Sense. It seems there was like maybe six months or a year where it kind of just nothing happened. We played that one show, and then I do remember meeting Vic, uh, Zach, and I driving out there to meet Vic, and we went to like a Del Taco or something, and we were talking, and I just kind of remember with Zach and Vic, it was like. Those two just boom exploded talking about ideas, go you know boom 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 boom, boom. and um, and I was just kind of like yeah following along, but it was really for me it was, it was Zach and Vic just you know I have a question Sterling exploding in the conversation. <laughs> I got a question for you Sterling. Huh. Didn't did Inside Out with the original lineup also play the Kalki Das Krishna show in San Ysidro? No, that was hard no? stance. Oh, that was, that hard, was hard. Okay, sense. but that's where yeah. I like met Zach for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because you talk about that in in your book, which we'll plug. We'll say people should get your <laughs> book. Nick. And uh, I already forgot all the details that are in the book. <laughs> yeah. so. And uh, it's but definitely get his book. We'll uh, we'll share a link. The flyer for that show is cool, by the way. It says that it's there's a a Govinda's buffet, right? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Right. <laughs> I I have a question. What was our first show? Spanky's. Big and Alex, was it a Spanky show? Spanky's. Yeah. The memories I have, there were a whole bunch of Spanky shows. The best ones for me were the Shea Cafe down in San Diego. I think we did. Those were good too. Those were the best. best. Yeah. I remember Santa Barbara. Yeah. Yeah. And we did Berkeley. That's what I remember. Yeah. The, the, Vic's dad actually took pictures at our first show. Vic Dakar's dad was there. I don't know if, he, if, if anybody remembers that. Yeah. Victor I remember Victor <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there's two things thinking about it now. I think, um, well, Vic, for you, like, I think it was before you went full on into Krishna, like you were a pretty serious dabbler and you kind of came into to Inside Out, you know, this metal kid, this punk metal kid from New York. And during Inside Out, because I remember we were at your parents' house and uh, we stayed there the weekend or something. I remember your parents were great. And I remember, I think, kind of talking to you a little bit, like, do your parents know how deep into this you are, you know? And it, you were kind of a little cautious, you know? You hadn't, <laughs> like I said, you were dabbling, but you hadn't, like, lifted the veil yet. Like, hey, guess what, Mom, you know? Yeah. And I think at the same time, I think Zach was kind of going through things just with his kind of... His creativity, you know, he was going from hard stance. I mean, right after inside out, boom, rage against the machine. And so I, I kind of said, just for me, being in the room at that time and looking back, I think both you guys were like about to go on to a major life change. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. How old were the three of you at this time, roughly? I mean, you're in early college, so. Early twenties, twenty, twenty-one. No, more like nineteen. No, yeah, it would be like twenty. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, nineteen ninety. We're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nineteen ninety. So, I was twenty. I think eighty-nine. I was nineteen. I was born in seventy. So whatever that is. I was negative three actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, like, that's about the time that people start to experiment and really start seeking and you know creating their own worldview. And as I know, growing up in Orange County. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but there's also a lot of opportunities here. And it's, it's funny that you say that you met at Del Taco 
to talk. Shout out to Del Taco. I'm hoping it's uh, in Irvine, which is uh, still no. famous. <laughs> it was probably in like Marino Valley, Riverside, yeah, because Valley. because because we rehearsed at my my house, my parents' house. Um, Zach used to work construction in San Bernardino, picking mm. up trash and doing grunt work, and he you know he used to stay at my house because I lived like pretty close to where he was working, like really shitty construction. And that's, you know, when we were writing some of those songs, I remember before Vic was fully involved, um, you know, a lot of the songs, the riffs and stuff were like just me and him. And, and, um, and it was interesting that like, I, you know, like I said, it took a little bit of like, Hey, you should, you should sing like, you know, you're really good. And um, even though like he didn't show it, like he, you could tell he wanted to, but like it meant breaking up, you know, hard stance, but, um, but no, uh, I remember, like, I don't know, we don't have to get into it, but when I met Vic Dakara, um, I, he would come to um, to Chain of Strength rehearsals and was jamming with Chris and Ryan, and and um, that you know you were the primary songwriter, and the songs were really cool, and you guys went to go um, show you know the the project to Dave Smalley from Dag Nasty. And he was sort of declined because he wanted to be more like, you know, down by law, marginal, uh, marginal man. He wasn't really, you know, the, the music you guys were playing. I played bass to kind of just because you guys didn't have a bass player. But um, you don't remember that at all? Vic? No, I totally remember that. No, but I'm just saying that because of that experience, like that's where I met you. And, you know, it's like you were so much radder than everybody else, like not even just appearance and like you know ability but like you obviously were like you know had a lot to offer but um but I forgot what we were saying but um but it was it was fun to like you know even though like there was a lot of goofy youth crew stuff going on it was fun that you definitely like brought in a whole nother flavor and dimension like kind of like a dude from outer space kind of just all of a sudden (laughs) in the mix you know and it was cool it was cool to like be a part of knowing Zach was really special but like the band we were in wasn't really, I think, elevating. And I think it was cool to just be like a part of like fusing those two energies together. Yeah, that's all. That's all I was just trying to say. Yeah. And Del Taco and Little Caesars should, you know, sponsor the podcast. The Bakers. (laughs) Uh, If you're in the the Inland Empire, there's also Bakers, which is a a hot topic between Del Taco and Bakers as well. Oh, man. I mean, Baker's is cool, but man, Dal Taco wins all day long. Best fries in California. See, we're we're on the East Coast. We're just we got nothing. You got got nothing. Um, Taco (laughs) Bell. Yeah, (laughs) got nothing. So, so that that project that I mentioned, the 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 Dave Smalley project that didn't happen. um, You know, that's kind of where I got to know Vic, and that's what was cool. Is is um, you know, he was the primary guy with the ideas, and he had a lot of cool stuff going on and you know it was fun to see him be able to be himself and with you know in inside out he really brought a lot and um you know so so thank god like you know that thank god that he was there and not in long island and because there was nobody else like him thank you, you. know also the, the thing about vic was <laughs> i remember zach taking me out to meet this this new dude from new york south and like Vic drove a Yugo. He came across country in a Yugo, and he played a BC Rich bitch. Like, mm-hmm. 
come on, dude. Like, yeah. Wild. Let her rip, man. It does, like, yeah. There's not a lot of that stuff going yeah. on in, in Orange County. <laughs> no. And it was just, <laughs> yeah. Which you drove, if I recall, you drove the, the Yugo out with last week's guest. No, last oh, week's guest, Alan Cage. Oh, we yeah. Alan, Alan Cage in the show. We did, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. that's hard. That's hardcore. Yeah. yeah, you can listen to the um, episode now on where it went podcast.com. <laughs> you interviewed Alan and Walter, but um, yeah, there's your, there's your two drummers right there. This guy right here and Al Cage, the two Al's. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we were very excited to talk to Alan. It was it was cool, and uh, you know we hope to talk to him again for some. Yeah, other Alan records. barely fit in the Yugo. His head was like <laughs> popping out the roof. <laughs> and Vic, where were you living at this time when you? hang out were you in san diego still well i my mom and dad had like a pretty big house in like the suburb called rancho bernardo mm-hmm. so that's where I, and then but actually i which is like kind of college uh-huh in claremont pomona pomona so okay. yeah i mean it's a straight shot up the 15 from rb to moreno yeah. valley then to pomona basically so you kind of didn't even need to go into orange county to to do all of that stuff. Yeah, I hated Orange County. It was just a big <laughs> bunch of traffic. It was like awesome. it is it's still like yeah. that. <laughs> so, Sterling and Alex, were you familiar with Beyond? Like when Vic, like what was when I one of my first or second trips to the East Coast, uh, Chain of Strength played with uh, Beyond. Um, you know, out in um, I think in Buffalo maybe or or Pennsylvania. Some some I don't remember River Rock Cafe. I don't, I'm not. I don't remember the show actually. Ohio actually, maybe. A place called Wally's, maybe. Oh, um, I don't know yeah. if you guys heard of that, but it was with Gorilla Biscuits, No For an Answer, Beyond, and I remember, I remember, I got, I actually drove to the show, cramped in a car with Alan Cage, and um, and some random girls, and we went to that. Sh- you know, I played the show too, but um, might have been instead actually too, but uh. But Beyond were super fucking cool and really like, you know, different and really, you know, they were obviously like uh, actual musicians where everybody else was kind of a poser. And, um, and, you know, we were, we were, we were all blonde and all that. And that's cool. But like, they were actually, you know, could play their instruments. And I was like, wow, you know, so I heard the demo, of course, but yeah, um, I didn't meet Vic, but for some reason I drove to the show with Alan Cage and um, I think because by that point, uh, for whatever reason, I I, I might have stayed where uh, I think Alan and Walter lived together. And I might have just been like, for some reason, s- sleeping there. And um, we all kind of spread out. You know, some people slept with like at Gus Pena's house. And I ended up like with, uh, you know, at that. Anyway, so. I saw Beyond and was very familiar with the demo and and was really like, wow, these guys these guys are pretty fucking rad. And yeah. how about you, Sterling? You were you? You know, I was kind of laughing because uh, at that time, first of all, for me, kind of, you know, and I talked about it in the the All Ages book, and I think you and I we Facebooked a little bit about it. For me, my straight edge hardcore was Seven Seconds, Minor Threat, UC. And I remember Youth Today, their first show at Fenders, I think it was 85 or something, maybe 86. And I'll say Youth Today changed everything. And I was talking to Steve instead about this a while back. And, and that was something I remember, it just changed. All of a sudden there was like hardcore and there was, you know, whatever. And I was in this other boat 
you know, for me, it was seven, it was seven seconds, man. It was minor thread. It was the faith, you know, it was all the discord stuff. And, and I was also in the, you know, so at that time, okay, when Inside Out was first starting, um, my musical diet was the Black, Black Sabbath, all the stuff with Ozzy, this big ACDC head, Blast. I, okay, as, as oh, far yeah. as punk bands, Blast, you know, Blast, 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 Blast. I was into them. Um, and so kind of, you know, a lot of the stuff, so beyond, like, I remember, I think Vicky came out with the guy, what was the guy? Yeah, the tattoos. Uh, Tom, Tom Capone. Tom Capone, yeah, he came out. So I was like, hey, these guys are cool, but I, I just, you know, maybe I was going through a change. I was kind of, kind of the scene around me that I'd grown up in was changing and I wasn't, I didn't really feel connected to that. And yeah. Because beyond to me, I think is still like an important piece in this whole puzzle because to me beyond had that DC influence hmm. to the, to this stuff that made it different from all the other stuff that was around at that, at that time on the you East coast. I never um, checked them out. I never checked them out. I, I've never listened to them once. So sacrilege. <laughs> Honestly, li listen, I mean, it's like I said, it's like the perfect blend of, the New York stuff and like Dag Nasty, uh, like a lot of like Brian Baker, but then like Tom brought in this whole other like new wave of British heavy metal right. influence. Um, and I think with Inside Out, I know it's been said a lot of times, like you set out, you know, Alex mentioned all the youth crew bands and it was kind of like, hey, let's do something a little different. Let's, um, I know Alex, I'd heard you say like, hey, let's think about this, the, even before like yeah youth of today's fucking awesome but like let's think about the faith or minor right. threat or yeah. all that stuff. seven seconds man out on the west coast it was they played fenders at least once a month i was at every show straight edge in southern california seven seconds yeah uniform choice but they didn't play as much it was yeah and you know what talking about i'm just kind of talking about the metal thing here's how what's the word uptight, strict, precious. I was at the time like, like Sabbath was cool because whatever, but British metal like Judas Priest or Maiden, no way, dude, no way. You know, no that's how kind of weird no, I was. So, no so, yeah, KNAC for you. Yeah, no, I couldn't do that, but I could do, you know, Sabbath and ACDC. I don't yeah. know. Go so did you hear then some of the like metal leads that Vic was bringing into the fold, and how did you, uh, how did you react to that? Because because there's yeah. there's a lot of really like the squeals, the harmonics. There's some of those those guitar parts that Vic does that are very heavy metal, especially in contrast to some of the other stuff that was going on at the time. My, my thing with the metal was the vocals. I didn't like the like screaming mm. ah, like yeah the guitar like yeah play leads do it rip it up yeah. plus i mean vic was the whole package he had the bc rich bitch he was this dude from new york like it was it caught me off guard so i didn't ha i wasn't able to to like i wasn't able to pigeonhole him so he just came in you mm -hmm. know <laughs> can, can, can i ask vic decara a question about yes, please. the recording yes, please. okay so you know obviously sterling and i even though we were pretty essential with the bands like you know like we're the root of the band i think that was like 
sort of the real deal version, but like, um, you know, I heard there, there's some guitar tracks that got sort of buried in the mix. Uh, I don't know yes. who mixed, the, I don't Let's know who it. mixed the record, but I, I, these are the, I think this is crucial because, um, you know, say what you will. Okay. Maybe some people might disagree that, you know, this, the recording is good or not, but what's the deal i heard there was more guitar um on the actual uh recording that didn't get sort of pushed up in the mix yeah people are stupid um people want to do things the way that they always know how to do them or that somebody wrote in a book is the right way to do it and so if you tell somebody that there's three rhythm guitar tracks Mm -hmm. they'll say no there's not supposed to be three rhythm guitar tracks there's supposed to be two You just put one in the left speaker, one on the right speaker. What's your third track? It's fuck that. Just turn it down. So if you listen to the demo that we did, we mixed it. Like all, mm-hmm. well, I don't know who, I can't remember who we was at the time. I think that, was that you? Were you with the Pendragon? I wasn't. Okay. So it was like Bratton and I think it was Hayworth and, and me and Zach. We were sitting there mixing and we mixed it with whoever it was behind the board. Then, you know, there was some kind of delay with the record coming out or something like that. It got remixed. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was Walter. Really? Yeah. Really? And that son of a bitch. <laughs> no, <laughs> whatever. He decided, you know, what's this third guitar track? F- I don't know. It's two, why do you, you, it's two guitar tracks on a record. So turn down this third one. Well, you know, it's supposed to be three. It's important. That's how I wrote right. the song. No, so, I so yeah, actually, this. the demo is more actually what Inside Out those songs are supposed to sound like and the actual thing that got pressed by jordan cooper over here is the is the one that i don't really like that i don't know if you redid it or what i don't know but the original pressing that came out like back in the day i was like where's my third guitar so wait a second so i think the reason why i'm asking this and i don't i hope that this isn't like a shitty way to ask but do you feel cheated that you sort of it wasn't you sort of weren't weren't you know you got kind of you know, this is not the representation that you were, you know, you didn't okay this uh, remixing, if you will. No, I don't think, I think I have two (laughs) disqualifications from feeling like that. One is like, I just fucking flew the coop. So I can't complain that I didn't give input on something. Sure, sure. And second of all, it's like, everybody's like young kids like sure it's so who i mean things get done the way they get done that that's why we did a lot of cool things because we just did them that's true i agree with that and uh, no it's 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 cool to hear you say it that way because it gives me closure because i was sort of mad for you when i heard about that that's all oh thanks (laughs) no but then i think it's even cool even like wow now people are like inside are like wow i gotta get my hands on that demo yeah. yeah, well, yeah. good luck with that. Good luck with that, huh? <laughs> and probably you won't even notice the difference. Yeah, but, you know, when you're a musician or when you're the person that wrote it and played it, you'll be like, wow, it's like a world of difference. Well, well, I remember when we went to go tour that you, you, I mean, you probably lost it, but I remember you made it a point to bring a delay pedal, which not too many people had, like, you know, effect pedals. But I remember you were messing around with a delay pedal. And my, my, my sort of... My thought was like maybe he was doing some cool shit with delay and you know that might have given another dimension with like you know the layers and, and all that because when we did go tour you know when i rejoined the band you did bring like a boss a really big boss delay like digital delay like that was like yeah it had like a biggest, looper in it and everything yeah 
It was yeah. like as big as a freaking like lunchbox. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. Hey, I have a question. Oh, sorry, Sterling. Go ahead. Just know something about the tour because I remember it was that show. Uh, you guys, it was like the Krishna bus or something. I I wasn't. I don't know what I was doing, but I couldn't go on that. And just kind of talking about before how you know Krishna, you were getting or Krishna, Vic, you were getting ready to go. No, you, that's fine. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting ready to, to fully make that transformation and i know zach really really struggled with it and i remember when zach came back from that he and i we went out a couple of days and he really had a hard time with it he really did um and i'm just kind of like looking like inside out there was a lot of maybe that's why a lot of people like it so much because there's a lot of energy there there's a lot of you know, and, and so he, he did struggle with the Christian stuff. Well, especially if you think, too, like, you guys were young. Like, I mean, we, we talked to Capo about the, you know, perfection of desire. And it's like the same thing. Like, you're young and all of a sudden your friend who's, you know, you guys are, what, 19, 20, yeah. is, like, joining this, like, what everybody said was, like, a cult. And you're sort of worried about it, but you're also, like, curious about it and, at that time in the scene, it was kind of this whole like undercurrent because there was so, there was, you know, it was starting to bubble up the whole like the, you know, Christian yeah. consciousness. And you want to give me like a, a minute or two to talk my Christian stuff about that? Go for it. Yeah. Just, Please. Just the way that worked out is like this it's like Krishna's, the philosophy of Krishna, the ideology of Krishna and everything was something that Zach was definitely 100% into and was like, the essence of the songs really and it's also something that i was 100 percent into that's not the problem the problem is the religious organization that was promoting krishna stuff yeah so the thing was that i was and but i mean both of us any any person with two eyes could see that there's serious problems in that religion in that social group there's serious problems of sexism. There's serious problems of just like insanity, stuff like that, right? Racism, insanity. The difference between me and Zach is he wasn't invested in like dedicating his life to Krishna. So he wasn't ready to tolerate all that craziness in the hope that you could still milk something, you know, transcendent out of it. Whereas I was. I was willing to say, yeah, there's all this ugly stuff about this organization, but I think we can fix that, or I think we can work with that, or I think we can ride past that, or ride through it, or ignore it, or get beyond, get beyond it or something. And Zach's just like, dude, I don't want to be associated with that shit. And so that was, the split wasn't really about the ideology of Krishna consciousness or anything, but the split was about, I don't want to be on a Hare Krishna record label, for example. You know? Right, because the proposed split. Uh, yeah, and so, right? whereas I did, I was like, no, I want to go this way. And I was like, no, I don't want to go this way. And that's why I got mad at Zach and Zach got mad, mad at me. And that's why I was like, hmm, I guess I'll join a different band. So I think that's what it really boils down to. Do you think that there would have maybe been a way that you would have been able to do both? Not both yeah. bands. Yeah, but yeah, both, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think really... It has to do with the way that the Krishna people, which would boil down to Kapo, you know, in our in our in our world, 
were pulling on me to get me and whatever talents I have and whatever assets I have to be on their army. So they're pulling on me. They don't really think about my best interest or my band's best interest. They're thinking about their best interest. Everybody has their own self-interest at, at heart. So because they're pulling on me to join their crusade, then my motive, well, it's Ray Capo. This guy's a singer from Youth of Today. Fuck, that's right. fucking awesome. This dude wants me to be in the band. You know what I mean? This guy thinks I'm cool. All right, cool. I can go that way. I went that way. So because there was this pull from Capo, join shelter, become a part of the temple. Let's do this. Let's transform the universe and change it into everybody, into Krishna devotees. Yeah, Zach is just pulling you down, you know, just, just join this. So, you know, if it wasn't for that, if instead they had the attitude of actual like karma yoga, which is like do or varnashram, do what you're actually doing, just transcendentalize it. You don't have to change what you're doing. You don't have to change your band. Then they probably would have said, yo, this band looks like it's pretty great. I, I bet you, you would even spread Krishna consciousness more if you were in the band that wound up becoming Rage Against the Machine. Instead of if you join my stupid band shelter, that wound up becoming shelter. And, you know and what I'm I saying? Think, and I think that even like probably Kappa would say now, looking back, knowing more, like you said about Vedic philosophy and the Bhagavad Gita and the, the, that, yeah, it did, you know, it may not. Yeah, what I'm saying is if people would have actually acted maturely, which is a lot to ask from young people. Exactly. Then, sure. then I probably wouldn't have been pulled out of Inside Out by, you know, inspired to be pulled out of Inside Out. I probably would have been inspired to stay there and work things out. And it probably would have been incredible. But then again, who, but, but then again, like the who whole knows? reason why bands like that start is because you're young kids. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And it, it's the kind of thing where yeah, you can play what if all day. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, you guys, you know, we mentioned Rage Against the Machine. I mean, you, it's almost like, yeah, you can't really mention Inside Out without somebody mentioning Rage Against the Machine. Like, but is it the kind of thing where if, you know, Vic never joined Shelter, like, would it have been? Yeah, it would have been Rage because that's what, that's, that was our next record. And that was what Zach was talking to me about in the last days of Inside Out. He just went to see some, like, uh, Run DMC or something. He came back from that. He's like, dude, we got to do this. We got, you know, we have to like run DMC is real hardcore. That shit is real hardcore. I disagree on it. I, I think it had to be different people for Rage Against the Machine. Uh, probably, but it would have been something like it would have taken it to that same type of genre. Did you hear um, Zach rapping at all? Did he bring that to like inside out <laughs> practices and try and rap? No, because he said, yeah, because I've heard no. that he like was, I mean, I think that's how Tom Morello found him was he was like freestyle rapping somewhere. I don't, I don't know any about that because I, you know, I left Inside Out and then Zach and I basically stopped talking. Sure. But I know for at least a good year, Rage Against the Machine was jokingly referred to as Zach's rap band. Hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, dude, Zach's rap band, they're playing, you know, they're playing with IST up at somewhere in LA or something. Poor, poor Cell had talked about like when he first heard about it, he's like, what? Like everybody was like, Yes. What do you do when he yeah. said, like, yeah, I'm doing this band and it's with these guys because nobody knew those guys weren't like guys from the hardcore scene. Um, yeah. And it was, I guess, a big risk to take. And obviously it. Well, he was, you know what, Tom, you got not Tom Morello, who's the bass player, Tim Comerford. He lived a couple houses down from the Haywards. Okay. Like he was kind of Mark Hayworth's bass 
guru, you know, and I remember going over and I was 14, 15 over to the Hayward's house. Tim was always around. And um, yeah, so for Zach to get Tim, I mean, they knew each other. And I think Tim knew Tom Morello and, and the other, the drummer from up in LA. Cause Tim used to play in a band called Crystal Pistol, like a glam rock band, whatever. Yeah, cool. Tim, he had all these, he had all these connections, LA connections, you know? Yeah, Crystal Pistol. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I just have one little thing too to add. If you think back about anything about hardcore from all these teenagers and stuff and all this stuff that happened, of course, everybody does all kinds of weird things happen everybody kicked everybody else out of a band everybody screwed everybody else five different ways backwards but that's forgivable because we're all kids but the part that's not really forgivable is when you like still don't apologize for it or like recognize it when you're an adult or like hold on to it even still when you're an adult i think as adults you know part maybe part of like looking back on all this music would be like apologizing all the different things that we did to each other like kicking people out of the bands <laughs> like well, yeah we, we touched on it the bands. Yeah, we touched on it in the, in the beginning about uh before alex joined about you know alex you know being asked to to leave the band i mean i guess the politically correct way of saying kicked out like you know asked to leave alex what were your thoughts at that time i mean that had to be a pretty big fucking mm. bum out considering you know you were the guy that kind of orchestrated put all the pieces in motion yeah i'll t fuck you guys because i put the band together so fuck <laughs> you all is what i got to say no it's Sorry. like you know what it's like well i mean I'll, I'll just say like you know i won't i won't i won't sugarcoat anything you know i finally get zach to kind of diss like his homies and come do something what I didn't like about hard stance it was like those those hayworth guys and the singer of hard stance were kind of his yes men basically um you guys there? Yeah. Because yeah. of, okay. So, um, you know, what was interesting is Sterling called me out of the blue. Hey, um, yeah, we're not, you're not going to be in the band anymore. And I was kind of like, oh, really? Okay. And what was interesting is, so they get my bandmate, Chris Bratton, to join. And it's like, okay, like, I guess, like, thanks a lot, friends, you know, like, thanks everybody for like, I, you know, I definitely did have a lot to do with the band, you know, getting back into the motion because Rob Hayworth had no interest and Zach was being kind of reluctant. So, you know, the, thank God, because Vic DeCara was so rad and it was like, you know, this guy's got to be in a band. And then Sterling was really good and really different and was really soulful and it was cool to see sterling kind of be serious in the band because he was just goof around in all his other bands you know mm. and that was really cool to see is like because he would just be like angus young and no for answer and just goof around and it was cool to see him sort of like turn that off and actually like get emotional with like playing music and you know i remember the rehearsals in my bedroom were like those are some of the best musical experiences i had were just like those guys really kind of connecting and um yeah it's interesting to, to just sort of you know revisit that now and think about that now but um i kind of lost my train of thought but yeah those dudes um but being being kicked out rejoining kind of sucked because we went to go do that tour 
And it just returned back to like being in hard stance with like Mark Hayworth and the dynamic of Mark Hayworth and Zach, you know, we're like, you know, it didn't really have the same where I felt like a part of something new with inside out with like Vic and Sterling and Zach. We're like, when, 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 when Sterling wasn't in the equation, you know, particularly on this tour, I only saw Vic on stage. I never saw Vic on tour. He was like totally MIA. Yeah. Yeah. And it was weird because I wasn't really close to Zach anymore. I kind of lost like interest with him and like, um, you know, Mark Hayworth and I were never close and Vic was pretty distant because he was Krishna guy being all like stoked on, on shelter and all that. And it was really weird to like, just be kind of like, like I was hanging out with, with the quicksand guys because they were the only guys that were kind of fun. Everybody else was kind of like boring and too hardcore and too, you know, too sort of like politically correct. Everybody, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was a very strange tour. Oh, that's for sure. But it was a fun one. <clears throat> one of the top three or four dumbest things I ever did. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. there, there's, mm-hmm. there's kind of a question. Because honestly, if if we hadn't kicked you out, I think we might have stayed together. Because I think the four of us were pretty tight in our own way. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're, it broke that. It broke that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're going to get Brad in, we might as well get Hayworth in. And then mm-hmm. off. We get, you know, like, yeah. You, well, you know what? I think what sucks for you guys is I was so young that, I was 15 at this time, and I think my personality was so boring that it probably sucked to be in a long drive with me. No, your you know, personality probably, was cool. Your personality was not boring. I don't know. I, I mean, I would look back probably thinking like, well, I mean, Vic had such a vibrant personality. Sterling was so funny and so quirky that like it was, you know, Zach was really funny. You guys were really fun to be around. And I think, you know, I feel like I kind of was the dad, you know, maybe I had the musical chops, but I think as a person, I think I haven't, de- hadn't developed kind of like, you know, my quirkiness yet. I was still in development because I was like a little bit behind and you know, I was basically still in high school and you guys were like about to start college or in college. But, um, but I definitely like do, do look back and like, Oh, you know what? Like if I had been a, like your guys's age and driving, I think because I didn't drive, I was too young to drive. That, that probably got old because, uh, you know, Zach had to pick me up or you guys had to come to my home to rehearse. And I think, like, Chris drove. And I think that was a big, you know, huge deal that, like, you could get Chris because he had a car and could drive a car. Nah, it's just that it's just there's just evil villains in the in the in the inside in the inside out story. There's certain evil villains. <laughs> And of course, the people are not evil, but the evil villains are Chris Bratton and Ray Capital. Mm. Those are the two evil villains in our story. So, like, Chris Bratton was the evil villain because he's the guy who was pulling on Sterling right. to get you out of the band. And then Ray Capital is the second evil villain because he's pulling on me to get out of the band. And that's wow. why Sterling called you because mm. we told Sterling, all right, well, <clears throat> we're not really sure that we want to do this, but you're the guy that wants to do it. So, you do it. You call him. Mm. Wow. If you do it, if you, if we're gonna do it, then you're gonna have to be the one to tell them. <laughs> no, that was it, and I did it. I was listen. I was in I was in no financial practice with Bratton. I don't know twice a week. We were hanging out and talking. We were giggling about Dan or whatever. Bratton and I were buddies in that band, and he. It, it's like I didn't realize it. Like looking back, it was like I said earlier. There's just the smoke around me. I didn't really see it. And I remember talking to. 
Alex, we talked about this before you came on, but like, I was kind of hammering Zick and back, uh, Zach and Vic. Zigging and zagging. And they were, they were just kind of like, what, huh? What? It's kind of like they were kind of half asleep. Like, what are you talking? Yeah, what? But I was so adamant about it. And they even, uh, they, yeah, Vic, you were kind of like, well, if you, you know, you got to do it. So, so sure, I'll do it. You know, and it's, yeah. hey, listen, man, if I hadn't done that, who knows? We might still be together. I don't know, you know? So but, mm-hmm. yeah. how soon after you get Bratton, though, do you leave Sterling? Yeah, that's a real chess play, isn't it, right? Yeah. There's so much chess going on here. Like pawn takes pawn and then reverses the pawn. And loses. <laughs> yeah. oh, that is a good, that is a good question. Um, pretty damn quick. And I know the thing with me leaving Vic, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a, a practice set up over at the stomp box over in Anaheim. And uh, I could smell it. I could smell that they were going to replace me with Hayworth. Cause I mean, Alex, as you can attest, I mean, Zach and, and, Hayworth are just their old buddies. They're they're him and Eric Peterson, the three of them are tight. And I could totally smell it. Also, Zach and I, we got into a few. Um, well, I just remember one day, you know what it is. I can be a little bit insensitive sometimes. <laughs> and Zach, Zach can be quite sensitive sometimes. Uh-huh. And he hung on, whatever. That, let's just leave it at that. And that kind of festered and festered and festered. And then, yeah, you get, then I think that kind of ice, you know, that, that thing that, you know, Vic, Alex, Zach, and myself had, once Alex was out, it was, oh, well, we'll get Bratton in. And then, oh, you know, it was freed up to, and so I saw the writing on the wall and I said, you know what, and should we address it? The, the talking between songs? I mean, hmm. that's yeah, what no, your I'm, thing was. Whatever, was you, whatever you want to talk about. Why did I quit the band? <laughs> um, I quit the band because, uh, okay, Jimmy Burke, he played guitar in Half Off. He committed suicide. Um, we were up in Berkeley, and I was, I was a roadie for Half Off. I was friends with them. Um, Zach was not. You know, He wasn't a part of that circle, and I knew Jim well enough to know that, no, they weren't. They might have been friendly, but they weren't friends. We're up at the show at Berkeley. Jim had killed himself, I don't know, a couple days before that. And I went to that show in Berkeley, but there was a big funeral down in L.A. for, for Jimmy's uh, funeral. And I didn't go. I said, no, I'm going to go with the band. And um, so we're on stage up at Berkeley, and here he goes, talking about, you know, suicide and death and all this stuff. I was embarrassed. I was shocked and embarrassed. You know, I really was. It really, I thought, wait a second. The whole time I'm thinking, wait a minute, dude. You're not really, you're not even friends. What are you, what are you doing? And I was, I was kind of like, wait, this is my friend. Like, let's not touch that. You know, I'm a little sensitive right now. Let's touch that. But I held my tongue and the whole way down, I was like, all right. Sure enough, the next weekend we played Reseda, we played the country club. And that's, you know, our home ground. A lot of people in that crowd knew Jimmy. And here we go. He starts talking about, you know, death and Jim Burke and da, da, da. That was a moment where I said, listen, I can't do this. You know, that was, that was a, when he did started doing that, I thought, uh-uh, like this is this, no, 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 no. You don't touch that stuff. 
And though those are the key moments. I don't know when I quit, but it was that was what pushed me. I mean, what you and I see each other on the thing, not 30 seconds go by and you make a joke about the talk in between songs. That that was it. And I'll just to kind of finish up, I remember I was friends with, you know, that band Infest up yeah. from Valencia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was friends with the bass player. And they, so we used, you know, he'd come down and they're playing a show in San Diego. We'd meet up in Long Beach or whatever, hang out. And I remember this was after I left the band, but he said, oh yeah, we're playing with Inside Out down in San Diego. And he, on the way back up, he tells me, he's like, he says, oh man, he says, so we play our set. You know, Zach, I think had broken his leg, broke his arm at some point or something. And he comes out in a cast and he says, Zach, he comes out and here we go. He's talking about society and a cast and all this stuff. And I, I said, you know what? That's why I left the band, dude. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I had, I had enough of that with O'Mahony and no for an answer. Why was I screwing around so much? Because you had freaking, you had Mahoney, wah, 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 and then you had Chris Bat Bratton being Phil Collins, you know? Like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, but it's a little too far. But, but for me, that's what I was into. I was really into the, <laughs> the stuff between the, I mean, I appreciate that, that that particular topic was sensitive for you, but I was really into this time that you get in between songs to talk to people and tell them what you mean by the song because mm -hmm. let's face it hardcore music is not exactly lyric friendly like you can't really hear the lyrics mm -hmm. so much and like you, i don't know if you're screaming with that much passion <clears throat> you probably feel strongly about it so i really the thing that i like the most about hardcore was the way that people would talk about their shit in between the songs yeah, so I wasn't on the same page with Sterling at all. Like not you know? to not to bring up a weird show, but the 1993 reunion. There's a video of that on stage or on, on YouTube, and uh, you know Zach gets up and he talks about the Western Shoshone Defense Project, but then Rob Hayworth gets up in between songs and he talks about exactly what you just said, Vic, about how important the communication is and that you should listen to people who are on stage and give them the opportunity to speak. And, you know, I, I know that a lot of people, when they think of inside out and they think of the lyrics, you know, it's a bit more introspective. It's, it's not the basic youth crew stabbed in the back stuff. It's a little bit deeper. And I think that that all of that goes together. So, you know, if you watch any of the videos uh, on you know exist on YouTube, that's there. I've seen that, and that video is actually really hard to watch. The one where um, Zach's talking about, like, uh, you know, people growing their their where they're harvesting, like their food and all that. Yeah. It's it's a very awkward, uh, very long. It's it actually it's it's kind of a cheesy rant. Actually, uh, that's where I was like, okay, like I'm not really back in that version of a of a big like speech and it's cool when you're like, you know what, like, fuck you. I'm, I might do what you tell me, but you know, I might not do what you tell me. Like, that's cool. But, um, you know, I want to, Vic talking a second ago reminded me of a show we did, uh, as a band called rage and Vic would talk some really cool shit and he would get to the point like, Hey, you know what? You're going to be dust motherfucker. You're fucking already dead. You don't even know it. And we would play the song and it'd be like, a two, it'd be a minute song. And I really appreciate when somebody can kind of just cut to the chase and kind of like cut your head off with what they say. 
And, you know, Vic was really good at that. And, um, you know, thank God we did that Project Rage because, you know, what's funny is when we were doing that Project Rage, Zach, we were going to do an insight, uh, a hard stance, farewell, you know, a couple shows. And, and um, when he knew me and Vic were developing another project without him, he sat me down on my bed in my bedroom was like, play me those songs, those rage, those rage songs that you guys are doing, you and Vic. And he watched me play guitar, those songs that me and Vic were about to do. And even though we just played one show and whatever, you can go watch it on YouTube. What was interesting is he was so jealous that we, Vic and I were doing something without him. And, um, and you know, Vic, what, what the things were, Vic was saying, like, yeah, like the way Vic would say things, like, I feel like Zach stole a lot of that, like technology of like, you're already dead kind of shit, you know, and used it in Rage Against the Machine. Like, I feel like Vic really did influence him in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, where's my royalties? Dude? I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. 100%, I agree well, with and the thing is, Thanks is like, that. I'm all, f I, I see both sides. Cause like, when you go to a show, you also don't want to have someone talking for five minutes in between songs, which is that, I mean, let's be honest, that 93 reunion clip is, it's I wordy. think it's like five or six minutes before. Yeah, it's wordy. Like I'm all like, if you can say something like, like Alex was talking about with Vic, use like 30 seconds, a minute, say mm -hmm. it, get it off your chest. Or like, Hey go guys, we got song. some uh, pamphlets in the back with more information mm -hmm. if you're interested. Yeah. So we are, we are jumping around a bit. Wait, can I say one more fun. thing? I got an interesting yes. thing to say. It's like artistically speaking for me, when, when you're an artist, when you're playing a song, your song is always going to be basically the same, especially if it's like not jazz or something, you play hardcore, you're playing the same song every time. Mm -hmm. For me, the thing about the lead into the song is that's the improv. Mm -hmm. That would be the thing that was different every night. And that's kind of the thing that would always set that song in like a new context or something for you and set it off for you. So I, I think it's really, if you screw up that intro to the song, and do it wrong or that it kills everything like happened for Sterling when Zach did, did that thing that, that sure. you know, was, or if you just like drag it on for five minutes, you killed your improv. But yeah. when you nail that improv, yeah. then that song just like, it gets multiplied by 10, the power of it. I mean, sometimes Zach would say something and then we would launch into the song and the song would be like orgasmic. It would, was like fucking off. If you just play the same song with no intro, it's just like, okay, mm -hmm. we got it right. Okay, yeah. next. Song. It's almost like it's just practice. Like, yeah, you may as well just be at rehearsal. Um, but so, the rehearsals were so great because we the did. rehearsals were the best part. Right. Of it, so only when it was with you guys, though. <laughs> yeah. My thing, and it, listen, I was just I wanted to rock, and like, I remember no for an answer once. There was a time where Dan wasn't there, and I did a coup. I said because it was so like. And, and, and Vic, you got a good point. It's like, you ruined the improv, but like, I said, hey guys, let's just do, go from one song into another, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we can have the stuff, like <clears throat> two songs, and then you can do a talk, or can't we do three? Like, why does it have to be, give a speech, play a song, give a speech, play a song, like, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about it artistically, it's part of an artistic show. Mm. And you can't do it the same every night either, <clears throat> like, Every night you should write a different set list and every night you should put your speech yeah. in a different thing or for a different song. And then it's really exciting. Come up, like run through the set list, just like blitzkrieg everyone and then do yeah. the set list again with all the stuff. <laughs> no, and sometimes that's the greatest thing. Like for a band that usually talks in between songs, one night you should just play a song with like absolute silence. Yeah. 
and you just that and then people are like holy shit they didn't say a word we just moshed the whole time yeah and that's great Agreed. so and it's a piece of the surprise so like javier and um you know you guys you guys are saying we're going all over the place but you got to remember i think when you're talking about the seven inch you know you're talking to two guys who maybe didn't play on the on that particular recording sure but you're but you're talking to a collective that feels like they're kind of the true the backbone kind of ver- the, like kind of the, the root of that yeah. band yeah and, and i think you know you're gonna get a really unique podcast um, information is going to be all over the place because you're talking about guys that like i'm not saying like sterling and i got cheated or, or or whatever but you know we definitely helped develop something something cool and you and very like you know futuristic and then a lot of other people got to benefit from that so yeah. you're gonna we're, you're gonna you're gonna get a really weird podcast because we're, we're we're into that and we always talk about how we don't that's why we try also to mix up people who talk so it's not necessarily expected. And we want to give you guys the platform so that people know, like people. The real think, history. Yeah, like people yeah. that don't dig like we do because we're nerds, mm-hmm. like w- wouldn't know yeah. that like the three of you guys well, were the were the heart of the of the group. And they'll just no, look the at the four of us. It was the four of us. Well, the, yeah, well I mean, the yeah. three in here. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but. You know, I'll say this though, you know, I mean, Sterling too, you know, I mean, I was, I, I didn't hear you guys talking cause I came late, but um, you know, what was cool about Sterling, if I could, I know I, I will all day long talk about how rad Vic is, but you know, what was cool about Sterling is he was already, already like somewhere else, you know, when it came to music, he was already, he wasn't, you know, where I came from was pretty, um, you know, very, very like cookie cutter, like youth crew. And it was really refreshing to be around Vic and Sterling. Sterling was, you know, also very, just kind of a free spirit musically. And, and, and also, you know, um, just very uh, different than everybody else. And I think to like have to, you know, go through, I don't know, this, go through these like kind of memories. Um, I do, I do really do appreciate that. We, we didn't really just go, okay, you know, we were in these other bands that were, are doing, that were doing the right thing and, and, and by the numbers, but like, this is the band where we got to be weird. So, you know, just, just letting you know that this is the band that we got to sort of actually kind of like blossom into that weirdness you know and 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 i know that might sound odd but no this is you know you know the uh norman brannon uh says that the 90s hardcore was kicked off by that show at the anthrax um the inside out shelter quicksand gig is that right and um 90s were a fucking weird time man we like all all of the music got experimental i mean just look mm-hmm. <laughs> look at what uh vic was creating in the 90s with 108 and how different that was and statue like this mm. was if if vic hadn't yeah. joined shelter then he mm. would probably wouldn't have done 108 which was a hugely influential and experimental hardcore band really and then you I with agree. statue so this it's really cool to hear kind of where the seeds of those were started. We all know that, you know, yeah. beyond was super influential, but like yeah. you three guys and then whoever else was in the band after you, but especially you three guys, this 
started you, pushed you into other weirder, cooler places. Yeah, like I wouldn't yeah. want to live in a world without statue or 108. Yo, so statue, like, statue 12 inch top five. Yeah, right? like it is kind of like, well, what, what well, do you Because who knows? What if we didn't get that stuff? 108 was definitely the only good thing that I liked in the 90s. 108, what Vic was doing in 108 was like, oh yeah, like, you know what? Ask me, ask any of my friends that, that hate most of the hardcore stuff. 108 is the only band they actually like, you know, people that are snobs. And um, 108 was the only good band that I appreciated in the 90s. I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff in the 90s but 108 was was rad yeah 108 changed my life to be quite blunt yeah yeah we all we're all big fans of but uh and 108 and everything but jason jason has had a burning question that he. well i was i mean i just want to get back to i did have a recording question yeah so did you do different takes of the feedback for the songs did you pre-plan the feedback or did you just let it roll and that's just what <laughs> like, happens like you think like no 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 that's 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 the wrong key hang on a second <laughs> uh, could you put a little bit just, more like it just sounds so perfect like it that. just matches every song perfectly and i just thought man no you can't that's the interesting thing about feedback is it's sort of slightly uncontrollable yeah, yeah. it depends on the the amp it depends on the guitar yeah. So it's really like everything to fate. What actually, yeah. what actually happens? Like you what you were do saying the same about the thing every Christian night. arrangement. Yeah, to try to get the feedback to come out, but <laughs> if your karma isn't to get it out, it doesn't come out. <laughs> so, no, that's just what happened. And then, what? actually, this is the other thing. My the the thing that I like about music, playing music is not scripting. Like I don't think music yes. is really scriptable. Of course, though, you have to have some sort of like backbone to it there's a backbone to music but if you script the entire thing then it's a very artificial like blow up doll but if if something has like a backbone and then like you let the rest of the flesh come on it naturally mm-hmm. then it's like really alive and that's one of the reasons why i think i'm really drawn to making you know, to doing feedback in the first place is because you never really know what you're going to get when you sit there and wait for it to come out so yeah all those all that feedback was just whatever happened and then you make whatever happens gives you the idea for what else to do with it or, or, you know, where to put it or how to mix it or maybe to get rid of it and try it again. Yeah. Vic, I've heard that you weren't quite happy with the baby blue color of the seven inch. Is that true? I'm like, the, I don't know. I'm, blue and and I'm like a nerd and I'm like a nerd when it comes to like colors and art and stuff. Mm-hmm. So no, I didn't, I thought, what is this? This looks like another like youth crew record a little bit. Like, I don't like that font or anything. Like we had the Rage Against the Machine font, you know, the, the typewriter. That was my thing. I made that on a Xerox machine. I um, actually uh, took a photo of that today at, at Revelation. You know, I, I'm lucky enough that I get to dig into the mechanicals and um, did find the, uh, you can't see it there, but you can see like the no spiritual surrender. Yeah, yeah written out on the yeah, typewriter was, was that an actual typewriter or did you use a font on the yeah part? that was an actual typewriter you would nice. type it on a piece of paper then you put it in a xerox machine and enlarge sure. it and then you take that and you enlarge yeah. that and you take that and you enlarge that and then you get Fucked it all up and photocopied yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so that was our that was our like that was our what do you call it, aesthetic yeah. yeah like that kind of like 
yeah, and grunge. Earth, it was more grungy and dirty, and mm-hmm. Revelations art was like so crispy and clean and all that kind of stuff. Which mm-hmm. It's not me at all. But I don't. But like, that's just that's the feeling that I had in like the thirty seconds that I cared about it. <laughs> at that time, I was like, "Who cares? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari 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 Rama." You know, I don't give a fuck about. Whatever. <laughs> you're not, you're you're not attached. Like you're not attached to yeah, the you're fruits, no, no attachments. You're just yeah. Like, yeah. And then uh, that's probably Al- why it came out like that because I didn't give a fuck, so I didn't give any input on it. Yeah. Okay. Alex, when you heard the seven inch and you picked up the seven inch and looked at it, what did you think? Like, what the fuck is this? This isn't you know where where I was. You know. It's funny that you asked that because I was wondering if you were going to ask this question. And um, and I don't know if Sterling would kind of have the same feeling, but um, I feel like the recording does not truly represent what the, what the band really was capable of. I feel like that's a very subdued version of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like the band had a little bit more, kind of just a little bit more... Um, Rage? Uh, I don't no i i just think the band had the band had more to it i think mm-hmm. i think you know my drumming style was a little busier um i think sterling um played the bass a little bit more aggressive it cut through a little bit better than mark um you know vic's rad no matter what he does so so that's a win-win but like you know i even like zach's vocals i feel like they were good but i don't think he really knocked it out of the park I was um, listening I, to it today while I was driving and I, I was kind of, I, I, I didn't realize that there was so much like singing uh, mm. before. I, you know, everybody catches <clears throat> Zach's impassioned screams mm. and it's like, it's very mm-hmm. anguished almost, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of melody in there and mm-hmm. singing and stuff that I didn't really pick up on and literally until today. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to go too into like details, sure. but I don't listen to that recording and it doesn't make me proud. Like I'm kind of like, ugh, you know, out of all the fucking people that we played with in that genre in that, you know, hardcore oh, little bubble, you know, the one guy that becomes like Bono from U2, Rage Against the Machine. Like we're, unfortunately we're cursed and blessed to be in a band with that guy. And it's kind of like, fuck, like the one representation of that band isn't that fucking great like it's not i'm not i don't go hey listen to that that ep you know it's it's i don't think it really hits all the marks for me and i don't know you know i wasn't there but the 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 recording just sounds a little lazy to me it doesn't sound as punchy as you know because those songs were written with a lot more like they're a little more there's more veracity in there there was i think there was a little more uh they were a little bit more peppier and i think a little bit cooler than what was recorded but that's just my opinion you know i mean i think that's a good opinion but i would also say that almost every record fault has that problem maybe statue is one of the few exceptions that that record just sounds really really snappy and great perfect record. i don't i don't have a single record i literally maybe i have like one record maybe threefold misery (laughs) is something that like sounds the way i thought it should sound also a perfect record. yeah yeah out of like what i think i've done like eight eight or ten records maybe there's one that sounds the way i thought it, it should sound so it's really hard to do that yeah and, and you're always and you know in the in a band whether you recorded it or not you're going to be definitely the, the biggest yeah. critic but i as a fan man i would love to have heard what the actual like 
essence and what what this was you know in in your guys words yeah. supposed to sound like because you know this was um i was introduced to this record pretty early on because of rage against the machine so it was mm-hmm. like because i'm i'm i always joke with these as i'm a couple years younger than these guys so i wasn't into hardcore <clears throat> uh and somebody was you know i kind of knew what revelation was because i was into like like fugazi and you know different indie stuff and somebody's like oh the singer rage against the machine had this band before rage against the machine you got to check it out and like to alex to what alex was saying it's like i can see how that would be frustrating where it's like you know people are going to check it out because of that but then at the same time it's like it's not what you think is the top shelf product now as a fan i fucking i love this record like i've said before to me if this was a record that came out with four nobodies i think people would still be talking about it like it would be one of those records like like the antidote seven inch where like it came out it's not like those guys went on to all these other crazy bands but people still talk about it and Mm -hmm. that's my take with inside out is that even if Mm. Zach was never raging against the machine there was never a statue you know didn't have members of no for an answer that played in it didn't have you know uh you go on to 108 and stuff Vic I still think the songs hold up the music holds up but again I'm I'm a fan I'm hearing it this is the way I thought it was you know supposed yeah. to sound thanks you know the one thing that makes me sad actually is I think the record's okay like I think it's okay it's not it's not a record where I listen to and it hurts like if I listen to 108's first record it hurts I cannot fucking listen to that like the the way that it was recorded and all that stuff. There's some records that are just like, oh my god, this is terrible. I'm not. I think Inside Out is acceptably cool. It kind of, it's an acceptable representation of the band. But the thing that makes me bad, the thing that makes me sad is how many songs are on there. Four on the seven inch, six on the CD, <clears throat> and that's yeah, it. We had like 14 songs or right. something. So yeah. you know, people, a lot of times when there's a culture of like reunion bands that's happened since what, like 2012 or so. Oh yeah. I I don't know if you heard about that, (laughs) but um, people clamor for an inside out reunion. And I'm always like, but you probably only know four to six inside out songs, unless you're like Sonny and you're a super fan and knows every single song and every version ever. (laughs) Most, Most people have only consumed Six, that's six great songs. so they'll get new six material songs. at the inside out reunion yeah and they'll be like so they'll be going off for four to six songs and then they'll just be standing there for i don't the really like their new stuff guys their new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, and then how many times do you guys like do, do people that don't maybe like do they ask so you ever going to do an inside out reunion because i'm sure that it gets asked. well i mean i live in japan i have my head in the sand most of the time still to these days but usually whenever somebody says something it's usually is there going to be an inside out reunion is it going to have zach and i just say no yeah, like for when, when Rev does the, you know, Rev the festivals. Rev 50. Uh, yeah, like it's always the thing. And it's like, well, what I wanted to ask earlier about the 90 to 93 reunion was, you know, Vic, in your book, you talk about they tried to reach you. Were you here in Philly at that point, right? Yeah, I guess so. So you were my neck of the woods. They tried to reach you. They asked for Vic Dakara. They said... We don't know a Victor Carr. Who's that? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex, did they reach out to you at all to do it or no? You know what? They did not reach out to me. And what's funny is, um, you know, I kind of um, 
was I'm not surprised they would have reached out to try to reach out to me, but um, I'm glad they did try to reach out to Vic. But um, I think they could have done it. It would have been I think it would have been validated had Vic been there. But um, you know me, uh, kind of whatever. Like you know, but I think Vic. Like, that's what kind of was, I was going to say, you know, um, before we just end this, you know, when Vic left our band, you know, I, we tried to continue with on him, but like I played one show with another guitar player and I was like, you know what, this is so donkey. I'm so done with this. And it just was like, just true to the, you know, realization of like, you know, Vic, Vic, Vic with or without Vic, like, there's no inside out without Vic. That's just was really, I'm glad I didn't waste my time trying to convince myself that, you know, we could have done it with another guy because, you know, that, that goes to show you like, so there just takes, you know, there's some people that you just can't replace. And, you know, Vic was, Vic was definitely irreplaceable for me. I think I need to marry Alex. (laughs) It seems weird weird watching that. That footage, because before I had, like, I remembered before I had read the book and known things, I was like, that doesn't look like Vic at all. Like, and I want to say it was two left-handed. Maybe, uh, I, Rob, I Rob is right-handed. and Okay, so maybe left-handed. it was, I know Hayworth's left-handed, but it was just, the whole thing was just sort of odd. And then there was the whole issue of Rage Against the Machine existed. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Rage Against the Machine do these benefits instead? And then... I guess before we wrap it up is, so the band's done. Alex, you leave. Sterling, you've been out. Rage Against the Machine album comes out in the end of 92. What are your thoughts when you first get your hands on it? You see it's on like Sony, you know, or whatever, Epic Records. Like, what what do you think of it? I was very jealous. Yeah, I, like, can, I would have been. Yeah. I, would have been <laughs> I was like, Wow. That sucks. I should have stayed in this band. I should have stayed with this guy. But I was also kind of happy. And then it was also like inspiration for me. Like, well, Zach did it. Like he's got, he's got a big microphone now. Well, maybe I could do it too. So like I felt also kind of inspired to like push more and do more music. And I also felt like, oh my, I remember my dad, actually, my dad was like, he used it as such a dig on me because you know, he was like so pissed off that I joined the Hare Krishnas and left my parents and all that stuff. So one day he sends me this like CD or cassette or something. He says, this is what your friend Zach is doing now. That's so funny. Maybe he should have stayed a, in the band. It's funny that he had <laughs> his like finger on the pulse and knew yeah, that's yeah, my crazy. Dad is very, he's in touch that, with that had to be crazy for like to be like, wait, that's the kid that came over our house and like, you know, yeah. drank yeah. Sunny D or whatever. Well, <laughs> he did. It wasn't like an issue. He didn't like explode to like super megastar level right away no like was, yeah yeah it was just like wow he it was kind of like quick a lot of bands actually kind of went up to maybe like mtv level mm-hmm. in yeah. like that that era like quicksand was going that direction into another was going that direction whoever else i can't remember it was like nirvana era so like it was like open for everybody to try to go mainstream and then I remember, but we would always be like, oh yeah, but you guys are like the Hare Krishnas. Okay, next band. You know, mm-hmm. with the record labels with us. Mm. <clears throat> so oh, what was I going to say though? Oh yeah, so like in the early days of, of um, Rage Against the Machine, I remember Zach would still kind of come around and he, he actually came to the one night show in Salt Lake City with Brian Chu. 
and played and and we did no spiritual surrender together on stage it was like in a skate park or something gotta mm-hmm. see, there's gotta be video. and i think that might have been the time that i i think i actually burned my bridges with zach rather than him burning his bridges with me like i think i pushed him away i don't think he really likes said i don't want to have anything to do with Vic. i think he just got frustrated with this guy who doesn't give a shit about friends really just wants to hang out on channel krishna with people at channel krishna like like you guys said, I was missing in action the whole freaking tour. And then like Zach comes to, to my show and I'm like, oh yeah, okay guys, gotta go, see you later, <laughs> you know? So that was kind of like the last time I really ever saw him. And then I think I think maybe that was it. The reason why it was the last time I ever saw him was because I was like, oh gee, thanks Zach, yeah, see you later. Because your head was just somewhere else. So it's not yeah. like, like to you, it was probably just like, <clears throat> You didn't, you're like, I'm a Hare Krishna. I don't care. You're, you're, you know, in this band. No, it's really cool. This is Zach. It's really cool. I'm really happy to see my old friend again. Okay. I got to get back to chanting. I got like 16 rounds to chant. And you know, like I got to study the Bhagavad Gita and shit. And I got to wake up at four 30. So I'll see you guys later. And then how about you guys, Sterling, Alex, when you heard the record? um, Yeah, Vic, you're right. There was a time before, Rage got really huge where he was, where Zach was still hanging out. And like I said, I told that story where there was some show, the last time I saw him where he was, he was telling stories on the parking lot. Um, kind of something on Zach. I was talking with a friend the other night who he went on tour with Rage a couple of times. And he talked about how things changed with Zach, with the fame. And he talked about, it was, it was, it was a tour where it started to explode and he's, it was crazy. He said like, you know, they get out of the van. I think, no, he talked about one night they went to go see Nirvana. Like the, the Rage manager got him tickets to go see Nirvana. And he says they couldn't just go to a show and watch Nirvana. He, Zach was just being assaulted. You know, everybody coming up to him. And he did, my friend Scott told me some other stories. And wow, it got really weird. You know, and, and, and I understand him back in a way, you know, with the stories I heard, like it just, everybody wants something from you, you know, and uh, you can't hide. Yeah, that was what I was wondering too, because you have people that are like, man, like why? Because like, not everybody can be, I'll use as an example, like not everybody can be Dave Grohl. Right. Like Dave Grohl's the guy that can drum, you know, for Queens of the Stone Age, but then he can also like hang out with scream and you know jam with them still or you know play on a blast seven inch they did a couple years ago and he kind of can be all over the place and he's just known as this like you know hey he's a nice he's like the everyman right but like it doesn't always work like that and I, I see for someone like Zach who maybe is like you mentioned a little more on the sensitive side very it's a lot to ask for of someone to just you know, I'll, I'll tell you a good story and it's also you know, Vic, you'll know this, like doing yoga and, 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 and whatever. You got you to gotta protect your energy, you know, and people come sucking it off. And like, here's a, I mean, this was back in the early days of rage. He was, this was a story I just heard, but he was living up in LA. He goes to this coffee bean and tea leaf, which he used to hang out a lot. And um, he's just sitting there having a coffee and some kids come up to him. Hey man, you know, they get all political about drinking coffee or whatever, you know. And Zach was the guy, this was, you know, where he would sit, he'd sit down with them and then he'd go through it with them, you know? And I think the thing when you're anyone, but even when you're an artist, like you've got to protect your energy. And sooner or later there comes a time you can't, 
Listen, I could go home and write a song or I could spend four hours with you guys talking about the political ramifications of drinking coffee. You know, like, I got to close that door. I got, you know, and, and I think that's what happened to him. Um, and to his credit, you know, for a number of years, he was, he was still around. Vic, like you said, you were at a show. He was, he was still around hanging out. Um, and then they became massive. And I think it's, it's, you know, some people have said, why doesn't he why doesn't he care about hardcore anymore? Like, why doesn't he, cause you do have some of these bigger artists that um, get to that platform. They use that platform instead of for political causes like Rage Against the Machine did. They maybe use it for, to spread the word on smaller bands. I mean, that's, that's how I got into hardcore was from Nirvana because right. they would always talk about like bad brains, Fugazi, um, you know, whatever. So then I would check that out. But it seems like Zach used his energy and his platform to champion political causes. And I can't fault him for that, like at all. I think it's um, also when you're Zach, everybody wants a piece of you all the time. And yeah, it's got to be exhausting. It's, it's exactly it, because it, when you see if you're just a normal like like these american idols or whatever they want that stardom so they know go, maybe they don't know going in but they go and they get that fame but i think when you come from hardcore you're so used to there being no delineation between fans and band like right. The first time I was going to shows, I remember being like, whoa, you can like talk to the bands at their table and like buy stuff right from them. Yeah. And then when you take that next step in the beginning it was probably hard for him to not, cause he came from this scene from hardcore. Right. And, and he's a sensitive guy. And he's, I mean, you listen to the seven inch. I mean, he's a sensitive guy and that's his art is a result. <coughs> that's why it's so, people love it so much. It really connects. You know, and, you know, Vic, you know, you talked about, you know, you were jealous or what when it came out, but I, I think where Zach is sensitive, you can be a little prickly, you know, <laughs> maybe if you were, if you were, if everybody's, you know, how prickly would you get, you know, or how, how, whatever yeah. would I get, you know, I think everybody gets cranked, it gets cranked up with that kind of attention and focus. Yeah. And I think everybody a lot of people at least maybe not everybody wants likes the idea of being famous like that yeah but the reality is is like i don't know would you like it like i'm i'm sensitive like i'm thinking even doing the, even doing the podcast when we have people criticize i'm like oh man i can't imagine being on a big scale like that and having you know not only new people you know from just the corporate rock scene maybe give you a bad review or just say your band sucks. But then all these people from this scene you cared about either talking shit because you signed to a major label or whatever. Imagine um, people coming up to you and they know all the stuff about you. You know nothing about them. You don't even know their name. They know your name. They come up to you. Hey, Greg, la, 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 la. And you're like, hi, my name's Sterling. What's your name? You know, yeah. no, no, no. they skip that and they go already. It's just like, whoa, dude, like, you know? And then Alex, what, what, uh, you were talking about. So, I know Zach with the fame. I mean, hey, good on you, mate. What was the question? I'm sorry. Kind Just of like what you thought when, when the record finally came, the first Rage Against the Machine record. record. 
Well, I saw Rage um, before they were huge at a small club called Soma in San Diego. And they, they, op- they played with um, like one of those old bands, like, um, like a punk band, like an old punk band, like uh, not Subhumans, but like they, 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 didn't, they weren't Rage Against the Machine just yet. Like they weren't humongous. And all I've heard to that point was their demo. I don't know if you guys know, but they have pretty much all the same songs from the first album um, recorded less professionally uh, as a demo. But it's all there, like all the pretty much the you know a lot of those songs were all there, and and um, it was interesting to sort of like see where Rage's Machine was influenced by Inside Out, like um, you know No Spiritual Surrender as a mantra that kind of starts mellow and then just keeps going, is kind of like where I started to really feel like oh that's where like fuck you I want to do what you tell me. Sure there's there's like that kind of like connection there where like you know you know no spiritual surrender i feel it gets stuck in your head easy it's like easy to grab onto yeah you know shitty band shitty bands like corn kind of adopted that same trick which you kind of you know you kind of like you, you start basically repeating the same phrase and then you go into like where it goes into the big goofy like godzilla riff or whatever you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah walter was talking about that on our last episode about how he just took all that stuff from hardcore and plugged it into quicksand and i'm sure zach did a lot of that stuff too the the energy the movements the you know like you said keeping it simple because hardcore yeah. kids are hardcore kids are dumb man and you need mm-hmm. to dumb it down for them <laughs> to sing along to hardcore shows and it worked it, wor- it worked it worked it works yeah. but I'll, I'll say this that first show i saw them and you know, Rage as a Machine. I was like really impressed because um, they're really professional and they sounded really good. And you know, when we were playing it Inside Out, you know, we didn't have a sound man. Um, sometimes you couldn't, you know, you couldn't even really hear Zach all the time. You know, we always there's always a shitty PA in hardcore. Once yeah. in a while, the, the sound is the sound is good, but um, it was nice to really see a band with a sound man. And um, you know, there you go, like having like technology sort of working with you and um you know in hardcore you don't really get that you know you you just get what you get um but i was really impressed and i was like holy shit like i didn't talk to him that night but we 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 still had i still you know we still had um i saw the ability to call him and i called him the next couple days later you know hey i went to that show holy shit like your band is amazing and um and he was like, yeah, you know, it's crazy how, like, these are his words. We just started doing it and labels were on the dick and, like, and it just, they didn't blow up just yet. But, like, he, the way he was saying it was like, yeah, we just, we instantly kind of got, you know, going in show business. And, um, and this is, you know, a phone conversation. And I've run into him. I live in the neighborhood where he lives now. And um, I've run into him throughout the years. And I think he stalks me because like we go to the same the same cafe, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, chill, like chill, you know. I'm trying to just get my coffee. Um, <laughs> and you want so to talk? He's stacks. trying to get yeah, you to play drums like, in his new project. Well, he's like, he's like, hey, I'm trying to do some music. Like, what's up? And I'm like, no, dude, like I'm busy. I got things going on. But um, <laughs> but you know, what's funny is is um, I don't really. Um, you know what? Rage Against the Machine 
wasn't rad is a good band and they deserve you know out of all the bands in the 90s they were really um like thank god they're really good because you know thank god the one band we were in with this like rock star guy like you know he's not it's some justin bieber guy like he's in a really cool band and um you know he's the one like bird that flew out of the nest and really kind of made it or whatever and it's exciting and you know you secretly root for that and you know what you can be jealous but at the same time you're like fuck yeah that guy his charisma and his talent and you know he's a cool looking dude and he deserves it and you know and it is what it is when it comes you know in life you know not everybody's going to be tom cruise or brad pitt you know but it's weird to be kind of like that guy slept on my floor yeah. You know, that that guy that that guy like I gave that guy gas money. I bought that guy Little Caesars crazy bread, you know. And it's it's cool though, but you know, deep down I'm like, yeah, that guy was always really good and he, you know, he found the right people, those guys in that band. We wouldn't have been raging against the machine if inside out, you know. We wouldn't have done we wouldn't have played those songs. We wouldn't have wrote those songs, you know. That bass player, that guitar player, those, you know, that drummer. That's that band is that band, you know, we, you know, but we did get a, a glimpse of what he could do in inside out. And, you know, I mean, but that cool does, to, yeah, it's cool to be a part of that, you know, and, and be a part of that history. And like with what I think is an amazing record. I mean, it's like you said, it's not like it's uh, some scrub high school band, uh, you know, demo tape where it's like, Oh yeah, I was in a band with, you know, this dude, like it's, it's legit. And, like you said, Rage, I mean, Rage Against the Machine are one of the best bands. Like, they're one of my favorites, you know, and yeah. uh, it could be, you could be connected to, like you, yeah, like you said, like Justin Bieber. Like, oh, he went on to do, you know, terrible pop music or something. Right, right. Um, so that part's cool. So I guess to, to sort of wrap everything up, we, uh, you know, what makes a band is the songs. So I'd say with Inside Out, especially since, uh, you know, we already touched on the fact that you two guys, you know, Sterling and Alex, are not on the record. I would say if you, for the hot tracks, because we always pick a favorite, you can pick any song. It could be an unreleased song, just one that you, you that really stands out to you as like a favorite, um, either to, that you remember playing or you have such a good memory associated with writing it and constructing it or, or what have you. Or as a fan after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Sterling, what's your hot track for the Inside Out 7-inch? Okay, I'll give you my hot track, and then there's just two things I want to say. Yeah. Sure. Well, my hot track is Burning Fight, man. We open the shows with that. That's just a rocker, you know? And it's got the little break at the end where you get to play the bass, and then, the, you know, Vic comes in. Burning Fight all day long. Um, okay, and then just two things. Uh, talking When Alex was talking, just talking about Zach, um, you know, I'm not jealous of him at all, but I miss my old friend. Sure. You know, um, I think that's a, that's valid. I really, you know what? I really do. I, he's, he's, I haven't spoken to him in, I don't know, 25 years, but he's my friend. We grew up, you know, I, I miss my friend. So Zach, if you're listening, yeah. Sterling up well, really? and then come and then Sterling, you'll get him to come on for Rev 56 people, the sun 10 inch. There we go. That'll it's, be the, that'll be the trade. He's the fun, one of the, probably the funniest guy I ever met. He's just caught. He's so much fun. Funnier so, than Vic. I'm not funny. I'm a fucking prickly. Yeah, you're funny, Vic. <laughs> and then one other thing real quick before I, I, I go was 
because I was doing my inside out homework this morning and there's some, uh, there's the seven inch songs, but then there's some like bootleg or something. And it's like with Sterling Wilson on bass. Yeah. I saw that. Okay. The, the inside out youth of today split seven split. inch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I saw it. And of course I went right for that. Yeah. And you know what it is? It's Zach doing spinal tap. I didn't write that song because our, the big joke was he'd like, this is Derek Smalls. He wrote this one when they're doing the jazz song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Zach's like, yeah, this is Sterling Wilson. He wrote this one. He's doing Spinal Tap. I didn't write that song. Oh, it's good. Because <clears throat> awesome. the track name is Song by Sterling. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. I feel like I really have to do my inside out homework as do far your as homework. all this unreleased stuff. Do like, your I homework. Just stick do to your the... homework. See yep. what, you do, what you get when you do your homework? There yeah, you put yeah. you in touch with Sonny. He'll lace you up with all that stuff. <laughs> so probably have a double album worth of uh, yeah. material. <laughs> Alex, how about you? Do you have a hot track? Well, um, it's, 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 you know what? Um, I'll stick to the 7-inch because, um, you know what? Uh, under, you know, Sterling was asking if undertone was undertow, and it was, the, it was always undertone. Um, you know, Burning Fight is obviously just a fucking, just an opener. Just, it always just started off, you know, it started the party off correctly. You know what I'm saying? But, um, Undertone, I always remember just like, you know what? That's like all desserts and all appetizers. That, that particular song is just like, it's so. (laughs) All the crazy bread you could ever ask for. You know what? It's like. When Vic brought that song in, um, they had to tell me how to play the intro part because I didn't get it. And they had to explain it like, you know, and I feel like Quicksand kind of stole that rhythm. But, um, you know, Omission is kind of like the intro to me. Um, I can see that. Of, yeah. undertone. And, and that's Vic DeCaro coming in with like, just like I said, it's all appetizers and desserts. That song is, <laughs> you know, the intro is fucking dope. The fast part is fucking dope. The breakdown is fucking dope. Yeah, so it's it just, it just keeps getting better and better. So, That's the best way to describe it. it it's so, fucking, and it's got groove. It has, does have everything. It's got the groove. Yeah. It's just, and, you know uh, what? Well, what's cool is Vic would bring in really quirky, you know, awkward stuff. And um, the chord progressions are different. They're like, they're eerie, but like rocking. And they're not too complicated, so they're kind of boneheaded, and they just worked. And I think you know that to me, looking back at like somebody bringing in an idea, like look at no spiritual surrender. You know that's that's super simple and pretty yeah. effective. But undertone, um, I always like playing that song live, especially when it gets to the jinjum pat bum bum. You know, it's just you know you know starting it off with the snare hit. You know, prat. You know, it's like. Yeah, man, it's just that song was and always when fun. I, when I hear that break, I always think my man was definitely listening to Eye Against Eye. Of like course. that's like a total like sick, just bad brains. Of like yeah. like Doctor No would be like tip his hat off. It's a Vic. <laughs> of course, just, you did yeah, well. But I mean, but that was I think that was crucial. That you know, I mean, we all connected on, of course, bad brains. You know everybody and and i think me sterling and zach really like blast a lot and i think like you know um what's the um burning fight has a lot of blast in it um 
but you know anyways so that's pretty much it i'll, I'll just keep it short and get and let vic get on with his so wait real quick so like coming back to the talking on stage like dude you open a show with burning fight and then you're gonna stop the song and talk before you go into undertone? Like, no, dude. Just <laughs> <laughs> rage. Can like, did was there ever a show that didn't open with Burning Fight? No, yeah, probably, probably. I, I think don't probably think so. there was one or two. Oh, you know what? There was new songs that were kind of more like too influenced by the police, and and actually the the songs. Um, it was I don't remember the name of the song now, but I remember. Um, when, when Vic was kind of tuning out of the band, we had these like more melodic kind of songs. And the songs, the, the shows I played without Vic, which is only one or two, um, there was a song and it was like, bah, nah, bah. it started with vocals and it was like, and it was like, it was called like Turn and Face. No, no, it wasn't Turn and Face, but um, that was another weird like, police like a song that was influenced by the police too much but um we definitely did open up with this other song a couple times and i think like maybe vic wasn't i don't think vic was in the equation where did the police where did the police influence come from the police (laughs) great man everybody will listen (laughs) wait yeah Yeah, which uh, like which who in the band was bringing that to the table Zach. Zach Zach wanted to uh, he wanted to uh, cover um, Driven to Tears I remember and it was like no we're not going to do it but he was all about the police man I would love to hear I love the police I would love to hear are you guys familiar with the song Driven to Tears yeah he wanted to cover that song and we were just like no like maybe not to no like kind (laughs) of just no kind of like hey how about no (laughs) you know I remember early on talking to Zach and I talked him into, I think he just gave me lip service to doing Dog Eat Dog by ACDC. It's off the Let There Be Rock album. I was like, oh, that's a great record. We got to do Dog Eat Dog. It's kind of punk. We could do it. And he was like, yeah, okay. But I don't think. He was- well, you were, we, we know, you're well documented as, as, <coughs> at that time being a huge ACDC oh, fan. Monstrous. Which yeah. that story in all ages is like, I remember reading that for the first time being like, this guy's fucking awesome. Like talking about doing the duck walk and the 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 Dan O'Mahony when you suggested the dressing like Henry the Eighth having, having the turkey leg. I mean that's like that's the kind of sense of humor I have. <laughs> I just thought I'd add that in there, but yeah, ACDC that would have been sick too. During that time, like I'm coming home from school every day at three o'clock, listening to ACDC. One day, hey, Zach, come on over. It's the same time. Zach, come over to my house. We're in my bedroom, sitting on the floor, and I'm playing them Let There Be Rock. Like, dude, you got to check this out. It's like, same time. <laughs> Boom, perfect. Hey, while we have you, Jordan, do you have a hot track on the Inside Out 7-inch? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I wasn't going to say uh, Burning Fight, but Alex's description of undertone is uh, just, that's my hot track. That's awesome. So I guess while we have you too, Jordan, so you've talked about, I mean, this record has been a consistent, like, big seller. At one point, it was the number one seller. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's still, like, it's never gone out of print, to my knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really popular. Especially for a 7-inch to stay in print. 
people just don't like seven inches anymore. So mm. or, you know, it doesn't seem like they sell the same as they did a long time ago. They're also getting kind of ridiculously expensive. So yeah, I know I don't have the um, I don't have the attention span to flip a seven inch over all the time. Which is too much for me. Yeah. Put it on a twelve inch. Yeah. I know is it this it's already uh it's that's in the works actually and um and getting back to what uh Vic was talking about earlier, uh Chris Bratton is a um is a huge fan of the that extra the missing guitar track and he's he's been trying to figure out some way, you know, the the original unmixed reels are gone. So, you know, we're we're gonna have to pull a rough mix. And I don't know what we're going to do with it exactly, but you know, it's, it's out there, but we're going to probably add it to either the downloads or, or something uh, on the 12 inch version. Nice. Expanded and will the 12 inch have the, the two extra songs from the CD to like sacrifice? Yeah. That's, that's the whole plan is just to right. get the whole record on. Um, you know, it'll be nice to have it at 45 RPM, 12 inch. It'll sound really better. Beefy. Yeah. It'll sound yeah, nice. yeah. Awesome. Vic. You got a hot track? What are the songs on there? Remind me the names. Okay, so you got Burning Fight, you got Undertone, you got Buy a Thread, No Spiritual Surrender, and then there's the Sacrifice, Sacrifice. and Redemption are the CD. But they're all really good for If there's any songs songs that didn't make it that you were uh, super fond of too. My favorite song that is not recorded was called Empty Days. That that was a really good song. And uh, I guess... Yeah, they were all good. All the songs were good. Can I tell you a yeah. funny story about the Bad Brains? Please. Please. Because, you know, you were like the Bad Brains. Uh, the Bad Brains influence <laughs> is so obvious, right? So finally, after like all my years, I never saw the Bad Brains. Right? So finally, when I'm like 30 years old, I finally go to a Bad Brains show in San Diego, which, was, which made me want to cry and f- kill myself. <laughs> but then uh, <clears throat> before the show happens, I see Earl Hudson walking around i'm with my wife i'm like whoa that's earl that's the drummer from the bad brains oh my god i gotta go say something to him she's like go 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 say something to him so i'm super nervous so i go up to earl hudson i'm like excuse me excuse me i I, i'm sorry for being super cheesy and he interrupts me and he goes what kind of cheese (laughs) (laughs) is it blue cheese is it what kind of cheese are you and then i i'm like um 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 Anyway, I just want to say, like, you are the best drummer ever. Like, everything that ever happened good in hardcore is just based on the stuff that you, that you, that you played. He goes, thank you, but I'm not the drummer. <laughs> so, so who was No, it? he goes, thank you, but I play guitar. <laughs> it was Dr. No? Yeah, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, but everything about yeah, but the same thing goes for you. Okay, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super nervous. This is like, yeah, Bad Brains are like my idols. So then I finally meet them and then I get it totally wrong that I, I mistake Dang. the drummer for the guitar player. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think my favorite song on the seven inch, I think No Spiritual Surrender is just too played out. It actually, I agree. If maybe if nobody ever like played it or nobody ever listened to it a million times, maybe that would be my favorite song. Well, mm-hmm. you played it a lot in 108, right? Yeah, that's why I also got to know not yeah. like it was too much okay. like oh, here's the 108 like here's the inside out obligatory inside out cover mm-hmm. but um i think i think you guys are right undertow undertone yeah yeah <laughs> undertow. that's really cool jason 
Well, I was going to ask, Vic, have you seen as many bands as I have mess up the cover of Burning Fight when it gets to the third verse? It goes back into the oh, gratitude's an example of this. Uh, so yeah. it seems like the crowd and the bands always want to gravitate to, and I will never take a different path, and it fucks up the song. I've seen it happen like four or five times. Yeah, and also people don't know how to play a gallop. Like, pick, yeah. yes. Like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> it's like always like play a fucking gallop. It's the easiest thing. And then Sterling, yeah, do you play with stuff. your fingers or a pick? Fingers. Fingers. Dostoevsky, dude. Black flag. Yeah. yeah. So that would be a whole. <laughs> man, I would love. To, I gotta. I gotta seek out some stuff with, with all three of you guys as as the backing because I'm very curious to hear because it is different because Hayworth uses a pick right on the no. No, he's also he's fingers. fingers. Left hand, fingers. left handed fingers. Yeah, upside hey, down bass. Upside, upside down, down bass. Mm-hmm. Wild. Jason, yeah. give us yeah. your hot track. Hot track. I was gonna say. I mean, I brought it up. Burning fight is such an awesome song, but I've seen so many bands cover it. It's kind of been, you know, when I think of that song, I think of the bands that I've seen cover it and mess it up. When I listen to it this week, preparing for this, it's such a fucking awesome song. Mm-hmm. Those bands never did it justice. It's just so killer. But I'm still going to go Undertone because that's the song where I listen to. I think, how did you write this song? Whenever that song comes on, it's just so chaotic and thrashy. And it has so much cool. I talked about the feedback, the squeals. It's just fucking. I'm so glad. You guys like that song the best. That was like my song, right? (laughs) I'm so glad. That's my hot track. No, but really also one thing about undertone is the way Alex played it. You know, like with, with drums, there's like a certain, it's very sensitive to the personality of the player because it's like all oh, like milliseconds make a difference with drums. So like the way that something about the way that Alex played it was heavier and more danceable hmm. than the way that it's recorded, than the way that it's recorded on the seven inch. Is there a studio recording with you on it at all, Alex? No, no, I wish. No, I wish because um, it's 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 a it's a it's a real it's a almost it's almost like a tragedy that we didn't record those songs. Um, I wouldn't you know, even with, say almost. It, yeah, it's, it's a it's, 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 for sure tragedy. Well, yeah. Well, I'll t- I'll just say this, man. I mean, like, like it's crazy. It's it, it crushes your soul when like you finally did something really you know, organic and cool and, and it's really real. And then, and then you don't really get to like show it off. You know, it's, it's like, it's like when you land that kick flip in your backyard and nobody sees it, you know, <laughs> it's like that, you know, and it's like, that's what it is for me. Cause like, you know, I get a lot of joy when I think about like, even just the, the, the rehearsals, writing the songs in my bedroom, you know, those are out of all the bands I played in, you know, I've said this before in other interviews or just talking to people about, you know, you know, I, I play music as a hobby. I mean, I, I have played music professionally, but I mean, it's fun to like, think like when I was 15 years old, I did something really exciting and, and you know, and it had to do with playing. And I, I, you know, and I didn't stick as a, I didn't stay um, involved with drumming. I kind of got bored with it. And I think Inside Out was like my last sort of, you know, I kind of farewelled the drums and kind of started playing guitar and bass and stuff. But um, I will say, though, thank God that, like, you know, I got to experience at least the chemistry of playing with Vic and Sterling and Zach. Like, thank God that, like, you know, I played in other bands that were 
popular, but like it was, thank God that I got to do something real and got to do something fun and exciting, you know? And I think the, those, those songs in that band writing under, you know, you know, hearing undertone in it's like rare form and then getting to like figure it out with those guys. Like that is like the highlight of my, you know, my journey uh, as a, you know, dude in like playing in bedrooms and playing music anywhere. You know, it's like those, those playing in those, you know, those songs in my bedroom were probably just as exciting as, as playing like concerts in other bands, you know, like playing to like thousands of people, you know? awesome so, and, and yeah uh, you know it, it is and there's so many moments that people don't know about that are great like like you said like the the rehearsals and the <clears throat> you know the writing process like there's there's much more to it than just going into the studio and and belting out a couple songs i remember and this is kind of going on what Vic said talking about no spiritual surrender i remember when uh we worked that out in the bedroom. Um, I remember all four of us were jazzed on it. We were, and I remember more than any other song that we practiced, like when we, when that one came out, we were like, whoa, yeah. Yeah. that was, yeah. a, that was a big one. You know, that's the yeah. only one that really stands out. Like, oh my God, like this is huge, you know? Yep. Tom, how about you? You got a hot track? Yeah, I mean, you know, I got to be against the grain and say something different. My hot track actually is by a thread. I knew um, it. You knew it. I it's like, it. yeah, man, it's uh, it's so like upbeat, and the lyrics, like especially encountering that song as a kid, they were so positive to me. You know, if I don't try, I'm gonna fall into the hatred of this world. It's like sometimes I wonder how I gravitated so far towards like dark and evil like black metal and shit when i was exposed to all of this positive hardcore at a young age um but you know i just think that's that's a sick track you kind of like two-step or mosh to it it's not as heavy as the other songs it's got some cool dynamic parts and yeah just like like you guys said you know burning fight and no spiritual surrender it's like how many times could i hear those songs um I actually was brought up on stage to sing the song Sacrifice when Death by Stereo did the Inside Out cover set at Rev 30 and like hadn't listened. This is a terrible admission, but I hadn't listened to the songs in so long. And I kind of like blanked for a second was like, what the fuck are these words? And I I love that song too. And I wish that he had asked me up to sing by a thread because I probably would have done a better job. But um you can watch the video of me botching the song on YouTube. <laughs> you gotta share. You gotta share that on. I'm not uh, gonna. I'm, you gotta find it yourself, man. Uh, you we covered it. I was in a band that toured, and we covered by a thread when we toured California. Uh-huh. Tommy, I covered by a thread. Yeah, we did. <clears throat> I also really like the band by a thread that has a album. Oh on yeah, we're gonna get to them. Get to. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a cool record. They're really good. By a thread song was cool because I think that one really showed a lot of the DC influence um, to to me at least. So, did, did anybody actually see Inside Out perform? Any no. of you guys, three guys? No, I mean, I'm, I not, was, o- I'm not old enough. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was nine in 1990. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wish I did, though. Yeah. I actually, I living here, cool. I, I could have gone to the 93 reunion, but that summer, so 93, I'm like a sophomore, and my mom 
made us go on a vacation to the Grand Canyon. So I was at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> at the Grand. Super, super bitter yeah. that I had to miss this inside out concert to go to yeah. the Grand Canyon. So you knew, you knew about it and everything? Oh, yeah. I, have, I got flyers for it. And like, my See, I knew Rage Against the Machine by 93. Yeah. I but mean, I, not inside yeah. out totally. and i was pointing out to jason like i knew some of the people in the <laughs> video for that i was you know i could i could pick out and i yeah. i went to that that venue quite often it was a really cool shithole that actually is still there it got burnt <laughs> out a few years ago me and hartsfield talked about it hartsfield wanted to buy it at some point so he could have a venue there but you know it just <laughs> didn't work out and it's just in the same parking lot and it's just boarded up and never got used. Really weird. You know, what's crazy is I got to actually watch inside out as, a, um, you know, uh, like a, just a, an audience member at mm -hmm. a, a show. And um, I think it, I'm not sure if Sterling played the show, but um, I'll just say this. Um, I know we're getting kind of long to the uh, podcast, but uh, wow. You know, pretty 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 impressed with you know getting to see you know they were playing more of the weird like like you know Vic said um they played like empty days um and they were played another song called land of the lost you know song that i didn't play on but um anyways it was interesting it was it was i was really jealous because they were really good <laughs> Zach, you know. Zach started jamming with mike denny right down in san diego was that who was playing guitar yeah, Mike. Mike Denny was the first replacement when when Vic left um, us for Shelter. When we went on tour um, with Shelter, uh, Vic, you know, quit and let and, and joined Shelter. And our first replacement was Mike Denny, and I did play like a show or two with him. And I was just like, mm -mm, this ain't gonna work. Like, this is not. This is like this is going from like like Nordstroms to like Walmart. You know, and, yeah. Like so, so, so. I was like, personalities. Like Vic, like I said, Vic can be prickly. He's all this stuff, but Mike is just space cadet. Like, and, yeah. You know, I have to say, just, Alex, yeah. Alex has the best analogies because you had yeah. analogies that yeah. killed me in the chain when we talked about chain. And um, I'm very much looking forward to statue because I'm, I'm hoping we can have even Get more. Some of this of these analogies. And you know, I talked to Igby this week, just randomly. And he told me that he saw like six different inside out lineups. And the one before the reunion was with uh, Mike Rosas uh, and Joey Pyro, who was in Pitchfork. And then uh, Igby says, A. Hayworth. He wasn't sure which one it was. <laughs> And uh, mm -hmm. Mike Rosas, was he in Hard Stance or Head First? I always get the... Neither. He was in Head First. Uh, and then Smile after that. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. almost like it's after, after Vic left, you know, I was out and, you know, after Vic left, it's almost like Zach got desperate. Yeah. It's like, it's, like it's falling down <clears> the stairs and it's, it's breaking into more pieces as it goes and it just... Yeah. As a retroactive, you know, fan looking back, it did seem like, like when I'm like, who are these guys? It yeah. just seemed kind of like haphazardly it, thrown together. Like, it, I'm like it, yeah, it became like Jimmy Crack Corn and, you know, like, uh, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> whoever, just whoever's like just around. And, um, and, it, and it sucks because, you know, 
we did kind of abandon the ship, but you know, like for me, like I already said this, but Sterling was really unique um, and really important for me to, and, and then of course Vic was like, without Vic, it was just, I was done, you know, and, and that dynamic of the Hayworth and, and, and Vic, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Zach and, and a Hayworth was just like hard stance again. And, and that dynamic, I wasn't interesting. It wasn't interesting for me to be in the hard stance dynamic because it was just like Zach and his like, yes, men, And then me just drumming. But, um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, it did become like, you know, fucking goober do Jimmy crack corn eventually. <laughs> Greg, what's your hot track, dude? So after like Alex's description of undertone, I, 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 I want to say that, but I'm not going to. I'll pick something different that wasn't showcased. Oh, it's just to have, a, from just your have heart. a chance. If undertone well, is in your honestly, heart, just... honestly, <clears throat> well, it wasn't really until he gave the. And I'm like, yo, he's right. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, the you know. I know. I second guess myself too. Wants to say burning fight just because that's the first song I heard by Inside Out, and it's that's not a good enough. I mean, reason. you can't fuck with that with that intro, right? But I'm gonna go with. Um, sacrifice mm. um i love that song i was amazed you know when i, I first had it on cd so i didn't know that, that it wasn't that, on the seven inch same the right, case cd yeah no i had i had like the regular cd case version but i just think that song's awesome i love the music of it the, and the, the vocals cool. on that song i think are very passionate i think yeah most passionate of any of those songs in my so, in my mind that's my pick yeah Cool. Sacrifice. Hey, you know what we were talking, Alex, anytime mm. you want to come on this podcast and be a host with us <laughs> and talk to anyone, uh, we would love to have you. But Dude, all, not... all you guys have been a, a blast. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. For yeah, Vic, thanks time. so much for uh, Thank you. the international. Vic's in the future right yeah. now. He's in, it's Friday. As always. It's Friday. As always. Yeah. Yeah. Basement <laughs> in the future. <laughs> always. You're welcome. Well, wow. Uh, I was not expecting some of that conversation in the episode. Um, it, it went to some wild places. And honestly, like, man, I love talking to Al Payne. I yeah. think he's just so no nonsense, no holds barred, um, just telling it like it is. And it, it, he, the the content that's come out of the two episodes that he's been on has just been incredible. Yeah, yes. some of my favorite, and and I always love having a chance to talk to Vic. Um, for a while, it was like I got to run into him like once a year when they would do the 108 shows, or he'd come out doing stuff for uh, the books he's he's written. So it was like you know a couple t times in the past few years get to see him and hang out and talk. 
Um, so this is really, really cool. And I don't know, I think like short of having ZDLR on here, like what more could you ask for? And who knows, this might not even be the last time that we talk yeah. about this record. Very true. Yeah, it, it was interesting to hear Vic just bluntly say like, hey, Zach was into Krishna consciousness. He just wasn't into the religious institution that he perceived as going on along with that. And, I, I, you know, I've read, I've read zines and I've read books and stuff, but to hear and, and in Zoom actually see Vic say that stuff was very powerful to me. Yeah. I think Rage always had that under, like, it sounds weird, but they still had that undertone because spirituality is a broad term. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, they seem driven by the same type of spirit as any uh, other, you know, band like that, like a Bad Brains or uh, Cro-Mags or, or whatever. Not, and, and I'm not saying that they were into, you know, Krishna consciousness, even if he was at the time or whatever, but I'm just saying it has that feel to it um which is probably why it resonated with people that liked hardcore still because it has you know the it has that vibe to it Mm -hmm. it's a game changer this record was a game changer the inside out yeah yeah we didn't really talk about the vocals and how awesome the vocals were on the record because i don't think we wanted to spend too much time on it but i feel like that his passionate yell kind of changed the way that people tried to sing for the 90s. Yeah, I think that it, uh, I always mention the DC connection, but I think it really, they they took it to somewhere where maybe you weren't necessarily getting that from the New York bands. Yeah. That I love, you know, obviously. Same here. talked about them for a long time, but this is just different. Yeah, it's, and, passionate. And, and it's just a different sound. Um, and I think they did a really good job of taking all their influences, little parts of New York hardcore and, and bad brains, but DC, but even like, you know, Slayer or whatever, yeah, metal Slayer. from Vic and putting it all, filtering it through uh, their lens and creating something that's really unique. Like, are there any other bands that sound like Inside Out? I nope. think that this is a... <sighs> It's a shining spot in the Revelation Records catalog, especially yeah. in the context of where it is in the catalog, because around it, you have Quicksand, uh, Judge, Burn. And then after that, it starts getting into like a little bit mellower through the 90s. And this is one of the, one of the maybe more heavy metal influenced records of like i mean look at what came before it where it's like a lot of new york hardcore and like punk Mm -hmm. sounding stuff and this just but it still has thrash it still has that thrash vibe to it that makes it seem more punk than metal to me Uh, yeah there's just metal elements to it and right and there's I, i heard what in really listening to it before this episode I heard 108 guitar licks and lead. Okay. I heard stuff that sounded, especially on uh, Songs of Separation. 
I found, I, I heard a lot of similar stuff when you, when you hear songs like woman, where that song, by the way, is purposefully like, I guess, kind of butt rock. If you look in the, in the 108, in, in the songs of the separation zine. zine, it talks about how the music goes kind of in that like uh, sunset strip, butt rock, heavy metal, because that's kind of the uh, theme of the lyrics where it's like talking about how women are objectified. And so the music like went along with that. And so it's kind of got that like cock rock, you know, those like so good. Yeah. And so I heard, I didn't know what that. song you're talking about until you just did that. And now and I completely understood what song you meant. Yeah. The on the onomatopoeia of guitar parts always gets it. Um, but if you listen to songs like, sacrifice and even like by oh thread you know it, there are way more metalish leads and it's crazy too because i know that vic was before this he was playing bass in beyond mm-hmm. and then you know moves out to california and links up with these guys and makes you know, one of the best records this. ever i've said that i'm not talking on released demos and you know, things like that or stuff that surfaced later online. To me, Vic has a spotless hardcore uh, resume with the records he's been on. Beyond LP, uh, this 7-inch, all the Inside Out stuff, Burn Cleanse, like even the Shelter, you know, he's on those early Shelter 7-inches. Like he's, I mean, everything is, is good. King of Feedback. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, these guys are, I, I, I like that. And, and it's not even that, you know, we want to like uh, propagate any kind of like beef or anything, but I like that they were honest. They, they were really honest about yeah. everything about the band and, and, you know, Vic is someone and, and I'm learning too, Alex and Sterling. They're all people who are no nonsense, like super cool guys, but they weren't going to hold back and, and I applaud them for being honest, you know, and, and kind of bearing their soul. Cause that's sort of what inside out was. It was just honest music. Uh, and you know, them letting it all out. So I yeah. thought it was kind of apropos that, uh, that's kind of what happened in this, in this interview. They, they didn't hold back. Agreed. And I think I, you did an awesome job putting the interview, putting that, uh, putting those members together. So bit about to you, GSD, for thank you. I mean, putting in the legwork to make that happen and have I, the I had known, like, I had known that you know Vic was obviously someone I wanted to talk to just because I love talking to Vic. But um, to me, like these guys mentioned, Inside Out without Vic is not Inside Out. Mm, yeah. Like, um, no disrespect to the other members that played after he left. Um, it's just. It's not. And then finding out that these three guys were the real essence of the group, you know, in the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, I knew that that was, that just seemed to me like a good place to get information. Um, Even though, yeah, two of the guys don't play on the record, but I think anybody that actually does any digging about Inside Out, especially with Alex, they know how important Alex was and how they all have some regrets about, I mean, you heard him in the interview, but about kicking Alex out yeah. to the point where he ends up coming back anyhow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in Vic's book, they talk about how when they practiced, the only thing that held them back from writing more songs was because they liked playing the songs they had written before so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think like about if it, you wrote Burning Fight. Yeah. How many times did you play that? I would be so pumped. Yeah. Which, by the way, we mentioned the book a couple times. Uh, Jason, where can people get train wrecks and transcendence? Yeah, go to victacara.com and there's a link there for train wrecks and transcendence. Book by Vic, it talks about Beyond, Shelter, 108, Inside Out, and then touches briefly on Rage Against the Machine. It's got some cool, fun facts in there, though. And what? how many times did I bring this book up to you, Greg? Uh, yeah, it's 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 an easy, it's an it's a it's I an easy say, read. It's a quick it's a read. Yeah, Jason, and, uh, as a Carmi, what did you think of the like Krishna stuff in this book? Was I liked his. I mean, he was he really kept it real, uh-huh. just like the interview. So I appreciated that. Um, so. Did you finish reading his dad's book yet? I didn't. Uh, it Krishna's came... punk Victor Dakara, which you can get on uh, Victor Dakara's website. I should have done my homework and looked it up. But you could also get it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I think, in fact, I think that's I right. Ordered it to Amazon. But yeah, I was going to say if you do get Vic's book, get his father's book to get. Uh, and um, I would say immediate, read it immediately after. Like put Vic's book down and, and you then told immediately me that. pick up Vic Sr.'s book. It's Agreed. called Krishna's Punk. Krishna's right? Punk. Yeah. Because yeah. it's literally like it's small. It's a small some of the stories. Some of the Leela from uh, Vic's book from another perspective. There's instances in there where Vic writes a story and then his dad writes about the same story, but from different eyes. And it's, it, and it almost reads like a really sad after school special at, <laughs> at times. It's, it's not a happy memoir oh, right. for the most part. Um, okay. I mean, it doesn't have any like, you know, it's not dramatic or per se, but there are. And you some know the end. Res- you know the end result. Like it, it, and it ends. It has a happy ending. Yes, we'll say yeah. that. Like, yeah. Like I won't give away too much more, but there is a happy ending. But um, reading it too as a parent, yeah, rough was like rough. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Because you know, it, you got to keep in mind, uh, 1990, 1989, especially like your kids. 18, 19, 20, however old Vic was, and like, hey, I'm moving to the temple. I'm joining the Hare Krishnas. Um, Because his dad especially was so supportive. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen or read about an instance where a parent has been that supportive almost of like every move he he made, every band they would go to see, um, you know, and when he got into straight edge, like his dad basically became straight edge. It says in the book and, you know, they had stopped serving meat when he uh, went vegetarian yeah. and just like all along the way, it's, it's a, it's a really cool read. Um, and if you like his bands and if you like this interview, yeah, I would, I would pick it up. Um, no doubt. What about uh, rage against the machine? You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this as I, I'm already vilified for my hot takes. This is Kick not it. my this is not my favorite seven inch. I don't listen to this seven inch. I don't grab Ooh. for it. Wait, are you saying raging? You said or no, talk about inside inside out. out. I'm I'm I like it and I understand Ooh. its importance, but I don't listen to it often. And Ooh. I don't know if I'm just burnt out on it. I heard it so much over the years. 
Um, but I would rather listen to Rage Against the Machine. I would rather listen to any Rage Against the Machine record than the Inside Out 7-inch, personally. Even the covers record? Yes. That's got Ooh. some sick stuff on it, man. Yeah, it actually uh. does. But but I I mean, to me, they're just, like, if I'm in They're the totally movie, different. I'm yeah. totally... I, I, and I'm not saying, like, it's, you know... It's you gotta like, pick one. But it's, it's like nice. Quicksand and Rival Schools. To- totally different moods, you know, totally different bands, totally different feelings. I'm with you. I'm probably going to listen to Manic Compression over Pedals. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to choose one over the other. And yeah. I know it's apples and oranges or whatever, but I'm just, I'm saying, like, I don't really listen to Inside Out very much. Oh, I love I, lo- I love them. Yeah, I think when I put this on, I think I probably, I feel that Goosebumps feel, I think most times I listen to that. To the inside out seven inch. As soon as that feedback and then burning <laughs> No, for real though. When that when the the intro hits in. Yes. Um, I mean it's it's perfect. And like, no spiritual surrender. It's got like the the yell, but into that like high pitched oh. No, those yeah. two songs are like if they come up on Spotify radio or a playlist, they're automatic skippers for me. <laughs> because you've heard them too I, much. I yeah. will say yes. that, that I understand that. I will say that of the seven inch, no spiritual surrender is my least favorite track, mm-hmm. but I love it. I'd rather yeah. listen to the live one oh eight cover of it on uh one oh eight has a live record on Lost and Found and they cover that and I'd rather listen yeah. to that than the inside out version. I saw them play it in DC a few uh-huh. times. Yeah. Um it's just such a good record. I also wanted to uh, plug real quick. Last night, actually, I was looking through my YouTube feed and this video came up called Killing in Thy Name. Not Killing in the Name, Killing in Thy Name. Um, by, and it's a, on Rage Against the Machine official. And it's by someone named the, I'm going to butcher this, but the Uma Chroma. And it's okay. like a 15 or so minute video that kind of has killing in the name of like remixed and chopped up a little bit. I saw the, I and, saw and the, it's, I got and, an email about it, but I didn't hear it. And it's, it's kind of like dissecting whiteness a little bit. It, it explains a little bit about where white culture came from. And then in the credits at the end, there's all these resources about books and organizations and stuff like that, where you can learn about, and kind of counteract whiteness. And I mean like white with a capital W. Like it's really, really fascinating. It's really interesting. It's, how long, how long is it? It's not it's a long. It's like 12 15 to 15 minutes. minutes oh yeah. Like I'll watch it's, it. It's a, it was a really, really nice artistic look. It had some really good quotes. It had some live footage. Um, I highly recommend watching this. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to give a quick shout to, uh, you know, uh, end hits records. Again, they have a podcast season four of their, um, podcast just came out. Uh, it's, and it's part one of three right now is out with Parmananda talking all about shelter. Mm-hmm. So we talked um, a lot about shelter this weekend and yeah, I, we, we did. did talk a lot. We about shelter. A lot. This so weekend. we actually do have, so this month's bonus episodes, uh, for patrons, one will be, uh, one up we talked about the discography and stuff um that's coming out on hell minded 
And then another one is the shelter challenge with special guest, uh, Ryan Rainbro from Meep Meep podcast. And it was really fun to do that one. Um, it fried my brain a little bit, that whole experience. (laughs) (laughs) The challenges are long. Yeah. They're they're lengthy to listen to. Well, that's why we, like Hoff said, that's why it's called a challenge. Yes, it is a challenge. Also, a bit of bow to my dude from Rucking Fotten, who is a huge shelter and burn fan. Oh, nice. Wanted to recognize him for that. Nice. Um, Yeah. Bit of bow to Jeremy Dean, Mm -hmm. whose video footage I took from their uh, Unisound Pennsylvania show. Uh-huh. Yes. Kind of remixed and chopped up for the promo video. Yes. Um, and Hob, you, your, your friend or someone that you know that does Come Join Friends? Yes, I, I, um, I am not friends with them, but I know them. Brian Balchak. Yeah, there was a bunch of cool videos on that. Yes. And then, of course, Hate 5-6. Yeah, yo, uh, Come Join Friends for me is almost like watching home movies sometimes because that's like... Those guys were around when I was coming up in hardcore in OC. There's a lot of like black spot function, okay, you know, yeah, stuff like mean that. Season I saw on that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of local Orange County stuff. But then also, uh, they they kind of were doing what Sunny with Hate Five Six was doing for a bit with digitizing old videos, and I gave him a few oh, like cool. demo cassettes and videotapes. Um, Chris Lisk helps with with that a bit and um i it, it seems varying degrees of activity on come join friends it comes in bursts i know that uh brian Balchak is busy with other stuff um media wise on youtube but okay. uh it's it's worth checking out the channel so bit of bow to lisk and Balchak and all of the uh you know huntington beach and sloth crew dudes i guess yeah, that's where I watched the reunion show, the Inside Out reunion yes. that we talked about, and then the Quicksand movie was on there also. Yes. Well, uh, are we done with Inside Out? What do we got next? Um, we I, talk don't, about? I don't know. Let's let's let's. Uh, I let's, like a little bit of mystery. Yeah, let's let's keep some mystery. But I will say the next rev release is Judge the Storm, uh, seven inch. When. Uh-huh. When we're gonna get to it? I don't know. Maybe we'll yeah, we might time. have we, we might have a detour. We'll see. Maybe not. Yeah. Hey, can I ask a question before we sign off? Yeah, Go. kick it. What would you rather have? An LP's worth of disengaged style youth today songs, a second Gorilla Biscuits album, or the Inside Out LP Raging Against the Machine? Inside Out LP. Youth of Today. Inside as much as LP. I as much as I love Youth of Today, I think that um Maybe it was even Parmananda that said like it was kind of nice that it was just wrapped up in a bow with that salad day style. seven inch. It's like salad days, like minor threat. Yeah, but a salad um, days LP would have been awesome. Yeah, that's a good point. Javi, <laughs> you have a good point. <laughs> I just think there's there's something about the inside out LP. Let's say this. I would have liked let's let's add a caveat. I would like an inside out LP with Sterling, Alex, sure. Vic, and Zach. I would have, you know what? I want uh, an inside out shelter split seven inch. That's what I want. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, actually, nobody wants that. I think I don't want that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want an inside out 10 inch picture disc. I don't want that either. Nope. Nobody wants that. I want to find, <laughs> I want to find insights, Mike. Yeah. That's what I want. Deal. <laughs> Let's do that. All right. 
Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for Check tuning out in. the website, uh, whereitwentpodcast.com. Uh, there's a link to become a patron um, and get cool bonus content. Uh, I think every tier besides the $3 gets early access to the episodes. So if you're a patron, you're listening to this now a day before everybody else is wondering, did they get Zach? Um, <laughs> and uh, the, $3, oh, the $3 tier gets access to the bonus episodes. Um, you know, initially we just were like, Hey, thanks for supporting us. We're going to take your money. But then I started making the bonus episodes accessible to $3. So yeah, I figured yeah. that's okay. I, but I you, think that's cool. Yeah. But you don't I get early access. To you don't the- get early access. Um, and you also get the private discord, mm-hmm. which, uh, has some cool stuff. And like Hobbs always dropping links in there to some yeah. cool live sets uh, to download. Um, and, Oh man, what, where what was happened? I going with this, Jay? Where was I going, you were Jay? Say thanks to everybody that hit us. Oh, up thanks about- to everybody that ordered the uh, embrace shirt. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, um, and uh, we hopefully will get on that and get that money to charity for Alex Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and good and thank you, Hoff. Well, not hopefully together. get it. it. It will. That's what, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you all next time. Peace. Later. Bitabo. Peace. What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. I just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top-tier patrons, Billy Tunnell, Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Dave Palmer, Dirk Focust, Ed Goodlife, Greg Jackson, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall fame, O'Neill the Horsefucker, Siren Records, Rob Moran, Tim Shear, and of course, Mike the Mosher. Check us out on www.whereitwentpodcast.com. And yeah, we'll see you real soon. Thanks for checking us out.